I'd like to welcome everyone to today's show. My guest today is Christopher Hoyer, retired Phoenix Police Department and author of the book, When That Day Comes, Training for the Fight. And hey, welcome, Christopher. Thank you. Thank you. And I want everyone to know that at the bottom of the screen, you're going to see Christopher's email down there. And if you yourself, your agency would like to schedule Christopher coming out to your department or, you know, find out where Christopher's actually having any of the training sessions and everything else, you know, send Christopher an email, provide him with the number of individuals that would be in the group, whether it be the whole agency, a few, and, you know, the vicinity and select a few dates that way, if it doesn't match up to, you know, Christopher's schedule, as far as other trainings that he may have going on and everything else, you know, let him know and be in as much detail as possible so that he can set the training courses up accordingly. And today and throughout the series that we're going to be running, you know, Christopher's going to be going through the book. He's going to spend the time with us, you know, going through each chapter, reading the chapters to us. And we'll have open discussions for individuals to kind of chime in if anybody has any questions or, you know, concerns or anything else like that or how it relates to them themselves, their families, their agencies. You know, feel free to reach out, send Christopher an email and we can actually you know, make this grow together and we can all be training for the fight. And Christopher, again, how you doing today? I'm doing off spec for the re-invite. Actually, this is what the third, third, fourth, eighth time we've been together now. So hey, it, 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 that's for a reason, though, you know, so and I appreciate you taking the time to do this and everything else, too, because, again, like I, I won't quit saying it to where what you do, what you've shared. It, it's vital to a lot of individuals, you know, so many of us go through things in our daily lives, in our careers, the decisions we make to actually go into our careers, but to actually take the time and to share that life with individuals of what they can expect and to better prepare themselves for, you know, that road to come. It's, it's priceless. It really is. And I, I can't thank you enough for doing it. And everybody at home should be thanking you as well. Well, I, I thank you and everybody that's listening because this is the biggest story of my life so far. And uh, clearly this thing was, was not easy to write by any stretch of imagination. And um, for anybody that's got any questions about anything, please, please don't be shy. I have, you know, I have come full circle with this thing. I have accepted it on so many different levels that I'll answer any question you have, good, bad, indifferent. Uh, if you're not sure, uh, if I can't answer the question for you, I guarantee I can as much as I can. So please, I welcome anything that you have, any kind of feedback. So. And then now, one thing I do want to say is that one of the beauties of everything else, too, is how you commemorated the fact of, you know, what kind of led into the proximate writing of the book and everything. I mean, your retirement, you stepping out and feeling that it was vital that others shared so that, you know, officers as themselves, agencies as a whole, individuals out there with partners can actually bring this in full circle to understand the importance of, you know, we always say, hey, I have your six. But, you know, how much in depth are we on their mindsets going in? Because the way that I'm trained, the way that you're trained, the way that other officers are trained, we, we have to be more in tune with each other and things like that as well, too. And, and that's the beauty of the book as well, too. And the way that, you know, you, you encapsulated, you know, David Glass or, you know, 8144, it, it's, it's beautiful. It really is. And I mean, it's the, it's a blessing to where, you know, it's when we lose individuals in our lives, you know, the things that we do, that's 
still them living with us. It's still them living in other individuals. And, you know, so, and I know Dave would be, you know, very, very, very proud that you made the decision that you did and you acknowledging him and keeping him at heart as far as, you know, making other individuals ready to where, you know, we won't have to have another David Glass for 8144, you know, so. Yeah, I'm hoping for the same and uh, taking a step further than that, I got a really good buddy that's still working and he says that, you know, all day long, we'll ask for backup on the street. Why don't we ask for backup when we're in our personal lives? And I think that's so profound that, I mean, so few of us actually do. And you said, we, you know, I got your six. Well, that doesn't just mean on the street. That means, you know, any other, any other capacity that we may be involved with as well. So um, I say just, you know, never turn your back on your partners, whatever that is. So. You know, and one of the things, too, because I want to bring, you know, Chris Gregorio back on with us as well. Because, you know, we kind of ended our uh, – our broadcast that day with talking about, Hey, let's go ahead and talk about the family of law enforcement agencies as well, too, because, you know, you got to figure our, our family has our six, no matter what. And there's a little bit more of a crucial piece because of the fact that they're not really in the know as we're out there, you know, on the streets and everything else, you know, handling what we do every day. But, you know, we also have to have our family six as well. And, in that acknowledgement, making sure that they're safe in the things that we do each day, you know, making sure that we don't bring things home, which, you know, your book covered that beautifully as well. So, you know, I, again, I appreciate you being here today. I appreciate you taking the time to share with, you know, the individuals out there today that, you know, we do want to make it to where everyone is really prepared for that fight. So, well, I'll tell you again, man, it's my honor. And for anybody that's on the fence line about either, joining the law enforcement community or staying on board. I'll tell you, man, there was, there was a lot of hard times, but it was absolutely worth it, man. I mean, the, the tough times, they tested me from, you know, the word go all the way down to my worst, worst times ever. Um, but I came out the other side because I always just wanted to be okay. And now I'm living the best life I've ever had. And it was, it was worth all the stuff I had to go through, even, even the bad stuff, like I said, so. Awesome. And then, so now, when you're reading your book, if you could, please, you know, kind of sort of the acknowledgments because the acknowledgments, it describes, as you just stated right there, the importance of the individuals in our lives that kind of like led up to what it is and, you know, being thankful for those around us and things like that as well, too. Okay, absolutely. I'll try to pause in between uh, sentences here and there. If you have a question, please, please stop. You know how I am. I'm, I'm totally open about everything. So if there is a question that comes up that, you know, you've got the the scroll thing going on down there and you and somebody has a question they want answered right away is just let me know stop me because usually i just don't stop so <laughs> oh you yeah oh i gotta go through because of i guess of me sharing this live video into groups they have to so any any viewers that do want to comment on this because of you actually seeing the link through a group you're going to see a link that you have to okay StreamYard access to your profile. So that way when you're making comments and you're asking Chris a question, it's directed towards you and it's actually able to show up on the screen because you know it's I guess it's by default, it's actually blocked. So you have to allow StreamYard to actually have access to your profile so that they can, you know, stream your questions or comments onto the screen as well too. And if if that does become the case, I'm absolutely more than patient. I got nothing but time, so I can I can be on the scene as long as we need to be. So until they cut us off, or until you cut me off. Oh no! Hey, hey this, this I think the streaming each stream that I do, I can run up to eight hours. I can run a full day. Beautiful. All right. Cool. 
Perfect. So you want to you want to start with the the reading, or do you want to go into anything else prior to? Or yeah, I do yeah for for the folks that haven't seen it, this is what it looks like uh, when that day comes. Training for the fight. You got and the forward. I got the forward on the the, the killologist, oh, Lieutenant man. Colonel Dave, Dave yeah, Roseman. Like about that too. Lots of huge things. So here we go. I'm going to start with the acknowledgments and this thing. A uh, really quick history on the book. So this thing started in about 2017. Uh, finally finished it in March of 2020. My girlfriend, her her hashtag, not, nothing but love notes on the bottom there. She she wrote this thing with me toward the end and just did a phenomenal job of making it. Simple for us, for cops, you know, since we don't read a whole lot, especially being on duty all day long, last thing we want to do is pick up a book and read. But this <laughs> thing, it's so easy to read, even for me, even at the end when I was sick of reading the chapters over and over. When I started going back and reading it, I'm like, oh, my God, she makes it so much better to to, to understand and to follow through. So, you know, got to throw her a little little plug as well. So, all right. I have, I have her hashtag at the bottom, by the way, rolling across you yeah, yeah. He's, uh, her story is even more amazing than mine. So when we uh, get the opportunity, we'll talk about that as well if we can. So. Perfect. Always. All right. So without further ado, so the acknowledgments. So as a survivor of a very unexpected and rewarding career, I wrote this book for a few specific and special reasons. Firstly, I want to honor the memory of all fallen law enforcement officers, but one in particular. Secondly, I hope to pass on what 20 years on the street has taught me and share with you what I believe it takes to survive a career mentally, physically, and emotionally in the field of law enforcement and beyond. I would be remiss not to include all those who put their lives on the line for our country and our community. Those everyday sheepdogs, including our fine military and fire rescue personnel who never run from the bullies or the bullets. But yeah, rather she wrote this thing fire. with me toward the end and all the law enforcement officers, but one in particular. Secondly, I hope to have... Oh, get some feedback there. We good? Yeah, I, yeah, I turned it off. I was, I was putting the, I had to put the comment into our feed so that individuals had that streamyard access. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, no, no worries. I'm, I'm hearing myself. I'm kind of freaking out. So, <laughs> um, so back to uh, our fine military and fire personnel who never run from the bullies or the bullets, but rather run toward the fire and the fray to protect the flock. This book is written for David's mom, dad, and very generous squad mates, as well as the people of the community he laid down his life for. It was also written for those who helped the frontline warriors survive day to day with their voices, their ears, and their arms. You know who you are. Thank you. Continue on. It would be impossible for me to thank everyone who has helped me throughout my life and my career. But again, you know who you are, and I thank you. Uh, the event that changed my life and the lives of so many others is maybe the epicenter of this book. When that day came for me, it brought with it a gunfight of ep epic proportion with every conceivable scenario, emotion, and life-altering outcome. It was so much worse than I could have ever imagined. Having said that, I chose the title of this book carefully on the premise that training for the unknown in any career is important and potentially life-changing. When that day came, my day, all the training and preparation was still not enough. Uh, that day was where my education truly began. Within these pages, you'll read tales of my life as an officer on and off the street. Some are long, some are short. Some will leave you welled up with tears and others laughter. It is real life. Nothing in these pages is made up or fictionalized. This is the story of an average street cop doing a job that on some days seemed damn near impossible. So that's the beginning. That's the acknowledgement there. So, And then we'll uh, jump into the prologue, uh, the day it happened. 20 years and 64 days. That was long Who's enough. that young kid? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> 
still look a little similar, but not you know, a little fatter, a little older, a little grayer, but you know, still got that fire in me. So that's experience. Uh, so among my peers, I was labeled the resident ship magnet in three separate precincts. I was, <laughs> I was not reaching for that goal, but in, over time, it became a badge of honor of sorts, one that I took pride in. I would hold many badges throughout my career in law enforcement. As a street cop, I was honored to do so. This is me, Christopher Matthew Hoyer, otherwise known as Ship Magnet. Uh, this term is used in enforcement and in dispatch settings. It generally means that things are rolling along smoothly until a certain cop arrives on scene. Bad shit happens when this asshole is on duty. Uh, most ship magnets are not only aware of their preconditioned to attract problems for their department or shift, but are quite proud of it. And that was me, man. Every Pretty much every day I'd be starting something out there. So. So I got a lot of attention on the street. Um, so folks are entertained, if not amused by my incredible luck. Others are waiting for me to screw up. Uh, I may have pandered to both audiences, but overall, I made a habit out of doing the job right. At the end of the day, I was great at catching, but not so much at cleaning. Processing report writing. Processing and report writing was not really my specialty. Dispatch would call me up by my first name over the radio, which was strictly out of policy. Christopher. I heard that a few times in my career. It was code for, you should probably mellow out. Uh, sometimes just for fun, I would switch channels on and announce my intentions when crossing precinct boundaries. Often dispatch would scold, you're not starting start anything over here, mister. Yes, ma'am. I've only had one dispatcher quit because of my antics. It really wasn't my fault-ish. It was typical patrol stuff and misinterpreting illegals being dropped off for a drug deal, uh, in which case led to three separate foot pursuits, two of which ended in physical flights. Two cars fled the scene, so I requested a helicopter and a canine unit. I guess it was all too much for the dispatcher to handle. As soon as we were secure, I was told she dropped her headset and quit right there on the spot. Sorry, that was not my intention. Um, so radio codes differ from place to place. Most agencies around the country use 10 codes of some variation. Beyond that, I think they're more or less agency specific, albeit somewhat similar between cities for cross-patching purposes. One of my favorite codes was, was the suspicious person. After a short time on the street, having developed strong on-view skills um, in respect to spotting and chasing bad guys, I found that for me, they were awesome. These suspicious person calls were like a game of Mad Libs. Uh, they all pretty much sounded the same except for the varying verbs and adverbs attached to them. On average, person, on average the suspicious person call uh, occurred at least once a shift. Because of my suspicious nature, a good buddy slash squad mate of mine coined a word just for me. I remember it clearly. Cruising the streets one day when I identified my target, I turned to my squad mate and said, hey, man, you see that guy? I will never forget his response. Dude, they can't all be crispicious. Crispicious? What the fuck? We had a good laugh over that one. Uh, but the nickname stuck. Over the years, I accumulated many nicknames with, within the department as well as on the street, including uh, the Snaggletooth Bastard, uh, the Hoyernator, uh, the Aluminum Man, which is the PD's answer to the Iron Man, uh, and the skinny little pot-bellied faggot. That was my personal favorite. I don't know. <laughs> uh, thank you to all my friends and coworkers for the love. But if it's all the same, I will just stick with shit magnet. Hey, I want to. I want to pause. I want to pause real quick, just right. real quick, because you know what you were just saying is for as suspicious. You know, and especially in today's time. I mean, in these past year, past couple years, you know, with all the riots and everything else going on, everything else like that. You know. The, people talking about the targeting and the profiling and everything else too. But, you know, in training, in law enforcement, you know, we're all programmed where we have to profile 
to a certain extent. I mean, you, you have to, right. you know, because it's just that, excuse me, and it isn't, it isn't necessarily, you know, race, it isn't necessarily the way people are dressed, but, you know, in time and, you know, especially the time in the streets, you know, it does start to develop on you because you've seen so many and it's like, you know, once you've seen one, you've seen them all, basically, you know, but the profiling is vital, but a lot of times it's being held against you. And it's, I love that you covered that in the beginning of the story, because that is huge in every officer's role every day that they go out there as far as the, again, going back to proactive police work. You know, we can't, we can't do proactive police work if we don't have that mindset to be able to know what to look for, you know, who is suspicious, and to actually have that gauge of profile in our minds at some level. You know, I mean, it's, and, you know, you will have extremists and you will have ones that don't take it serious enough, but it is vital that we have that suspicious mind, let's just say, as you just pointed out, but a lot of people don't like to talk about that. But it's one of the most important traits of our roles is, you know, is going out there in the streets and, you know, watching and keeping the streets safe. You know, if you can if you can watch them a distance and, you know, because being proactive means that, hey, I can see this before it happens. You know, and it, it is so vital that, you know, officers going in, they understand that, you know, there has to be a profiling to an extent. I mean, there's a control profiling once that makes sense, not just some you know, off the wall stuff, but, you know, and then suspicious activity, you know, so I, I thank you and I thank you and I thank you. And it's, it, it's perfectly placed in this book because, you know, every day going out there as you're on patrol, that's what you're looking for is that suspicious activity. So you have to be able to develop knowing the demographics, knowing the environment, knowing the culture of the environment. You know, it's, it's important that you, you do have those different levels of suspicion and be able to regulate that, which you know to look forward to each and every day. So, well, I'll tell you just a quick story about that about profiling. I was on the stand at Superior Court. We had a guy for multiple felonies, whatever it was. I, this was years and years ago now, of course. And the defense attorney gets up there and he asked me straight up. He goes, "You profiled my client, didn't you?" And I said, "Yes, sir, I did." And he lost his mind. He just went off. And I let him do his little rant and went oh. off his you know five minutes screaming at me. Oh, you know, oh you're this guy and you're this guy. And when he finally got done, I said, well, can I instruct you as to what profiling means? He goes, I would love to hear that, officer. I said, there's a difference between racial profiling and what I do, which is criminal profiling, you know, and that shut him down completely. And he didn't understand that there is criminal profiling. You're a criminal. That's what I do. I'm going to find you, you know. You can't be out there smoking dope in a stolen car with a gun and uh, – <laughs> get caught you know so um and i don't care i mean i you know where i worked i had everything i mean i had everything from the ha's to the freaking you know hollywood gangsters you name it i mean everything and i you know i grabbed onto whatever was showing their showing their dark side to me you know i was like all right well i don't care what kind of criminal you are if you're a criminal and you're doing it in front of me you're gonna get busted i mean that's just the way it is so you see, and like I was telling, like I was telling you and Chris, you know, in our, our first broadcast about, you know, my bachelor's in behavior analysis and everything else too, to where it is vital to be able to sit there and just like, 
you can see mannerisms, you know, especially when you deal with, you know, drug addicts, alcoholics and things like that as well, too, to where, you know, their mannerisms are, you know, they're walking with one hand in a pocket and are just like fast paced. It's like, well, they got that hand in that pocket, hold on to it. They don't want to, they don't want to lose what they got. But, it, you know, there's certain things like that as well, too, or just, you know, seeing somebody just looking around, looking like they're lost or, you know, that they're up to no good or that they're casing a place and things like that, too, and being able to, you know, know what really is going on and everything else, too, so. Absolutely, absolutely. Cool. All right, should I uh, continue? Oh, of course, yes, sir. All right, right. No, I mean, I'm good either way, man. If we want to keep talking or I can read either one, man. So. No, it's, I mean, I just wanted to stop you on that point because it's, you know, again, I just want to acknowledge the fact of the placement in this book because starting out, you know, a lot of individuals, and again, that's why I love this book and how relevant it is, especially to the cadets going in. You know, I, I made a comment before about how history repeats itself, but how relevant that part is right now because cadets going in and even some of the veterans need to really kind of reevaluate the way that they go out there and hit the streets because that is going to be, that is how you get proactive police work. That is how you ready yourself for the streets is you have to be, you know, conscious and cognizant of the possibilities that are there. So you being conscious and being able to profile or you being able to, hey, that's suspicious, it's gonna save your life and it's gonna, you know, better prepare you for the days that you're actually out there. So I, I just love the fact that that's in the beginning of the book because that is the beginning of somebody's career. And, you know, even the veterans need to really kind of focus on that as well too, so. Thanks, thanks, right on. All right, so let's see here. Uh, da, 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 da. All right, so the best way for me to be, begin my story is at the end. Uh, the most significant, memorable, life-altering, and ultimately career-ending moment. Bear with me as I, struggle, as I struggle to put these words down on the page. And the emotional toll has been a challenge, and I probably could have uh, emphasized that a little bit more because it was more than a challenge. So, May 18th, it was a Wednesday, 2016, uh, plain clothes week. Uh, not one thing about that day was different than any other yet. Early in the day, I contacted a kid, kind of stupid as it turned out. He could not understand why having a driver's license and car insurance was important. So instead of simply thanking me for submitting uh, charges versus booking me into jail, uh, he questioned me. It's only a dime bag, dude. <laughs> dude, uh, where I was in Arizona, it was a felony at the time. Um, so I said, hey, it's a felony, jackass. Would you rather go to jail? I cut the kid loose, uh, call it laziness, loss of interest, or perhaps even a premonition. Who knows uh, what the reason was. Fast forward 14, 30 hours. I was sitting at the station impounding the kid's weed, planning to ride it the rest of the day, and then call it. Uh, and then, then the call comes out. Emergency traffic, it's a burglary. Uh, responding unit switched to channel, basically dot, dot, dot. That's um, how, uh, how we rolled. Uh, get emergency call. Uh, we switch over to that emergency traffic channel, and then we then we work the call from there. So, so anyway, uh, not paying attention at all, since the location was out of my area and about 15 miles away. Um, my lieutenant got on the air asking for a plainclothes unit to head to the area and scout the house. Shit, it was only 2.30 in the afternoon. I still had time to get into something. Uh, <laughs> so that was, that was my mindset. You know, I'm 18. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, hey, I still got time to get into something. Let me, let me hop in the car and go flying down there. So, so I did. I hopped in the undercover hot rod and sped away, asking for pertinent information that I had missed, switching over late. There were very, very few details. Basically, a guy with a death wish showed up and kicked in the door of his father's home and stole his gun. Okay, nothing special. Wait, he is suicidal and plans to shoot out with the cops? 
that up the ante, but it was still not blowing up my skirts. I got the instructions from the sergeant to head over to the house while they spoke with the father down the street. Yes, sir. Here's the information I had. A van in the driveway. No movement. No foot traffic or vehicle traffic of any kind. Average working class neighborhood. Uh, cookie cutter houses. Nothing out of the ordinary, even for the trained eye. And keep in mind, I would have been on this particular specialty squad for 14 years at the time. See what I did. So not much to report. Uh, looking back, however, it was too eerily quiet. So what I knew, the subject was suicidal. The subject was armed with dad's handgun. The subject last no last known location was in the house. Responding units were staging and waiting on my intel. What I did not know, uh, the subject was on two types of amphetamines and THC. Uh, the subject was hiding in the driver's seat of the van. The subject was prepared to kill and die without hesitation. Uh, usually when we find these uh, suicidal calls, it's met with a yawn and the obligatory, okay, yeah, we know, you're never going back to jail, whatever, you know, it's like, okay, we hear this call all the time, no big deal. Uh, personally, I always feared the quiet ones, the one who just acted, never threatening or whining. The ones that bitched and complained and threatened were usually, would usually cower at the sight of a formidable enemy. That being said, we had a plan in place, a good solid plan, one that I have picked apart more times than I, than I can count since that day plan of attack was based on what we knew at the time. In other words, we acted on the intel we had. And yes, please, let's dissect other possible ways to remove this guy, this bad guy in a box. With hours of strategic planning, it is possible, however unlikely in this case, to come up with a more sound tactical approach. Remember, our bad guy was armed, suicidal, and wanted to shoot out with the cops. What could we have done differently? Well, we could have, and we did have, SWAT team on standby, K-9 on the way, Chopper on the way, 270-degree coverage around the front of the house, undercover unit watching, that was me, uniformed officers staging to the rear, field training officers and specialty unit guys on scene, cover cars, rifle, uh, rifles, and a plan to surround and call out. A sound plan for patrol-level ability without the toys attack guys have. So again, we acted based on the intel we knew at the time. As law enforcement, it has been drilled into us that time is on our side. It's sometimes true, but not always. In this case, definitely not. And even though we called SWAT, the reality was uh, we could not call the big guns for every suicidal subject. A friend of mine said it best. We're cops. Sometimes we have to expose ourselves. I hate that statement, but it's absolutely true. So there I was on scene, exposed, 13 minutes alone. 13 minutes I wish I could do over. Uh, I'd like to peer in from the outside and ask uh, some critical questions. Did I miss anything? Could I have done more? Was there more to see? These are answers I may never get, at least not until my God says so. Uh, but even then, do I want those answers? Um, survivor skills. Um, it was bad for everyone on the scene. For me, it was even worse because I watched that house and that van for 13 minutes. 13 whole minutes. Uh, not one single thing moved the entire time. Damn it. I tried to forgive myself for failing. Uh, that's a lot easier said than done. When I saw the marked units, I disembarked from my undercover car. I was about 30 yards southwest of the house. I was geared up, ballistic vest, outer carrier, fully loaded down, Glock 21, 45 caliber pistol, 45 caliber pistol, four spare mags, two extra AR-15 mags within reach, rifles, Colt AR-15, 69-20 with 28 rounds, Glock 30 in the small of my back, Kevlar helmet, and gloves. Physically, I was battle ready, ready to rock and roll. Mentally, I thought I was, but there, certain things screw up in these situations. Up to that point in my career, I had been involved in uh, shooting situations. There were three in total. 
two bad guys and one dog. My target turned, I raised and fired two or more rounds. Bad guy fell, and I waited for internal affairs on the beaches. That's a shooting. It's a vast difference from a gunfight. Yeah, you think? Again, as a street cop, I had been hardwired for a shooting. Having previously eliminated uh, my threat three times, defeating my enemies, I was ready for this battle, not once considering what would happen if it did not work in my favor. More cars were heading my way. Uh, one car blocked the streets of the north. Two more, two more cars passed as I moved into position in the street. Uh, two more cars stopped short of the house, and as fate would have it, Officer David Glasser was at the head of the conga line. It was his Tahoe that blocked the van in the driveway. It was a sound tactic. The question for me weeks and even months later was, what would happen? What would have happened if we hadn't blocked in that van in question? The suspect drives off. A rolling gun battle ensues, ergo a pursuit with a known armed felon. The possibilities are endless. It was a good tactic, unplanned perhaps, but as far as I'm concerned, it was necessary to block further escape. Parked behind the van, David exited the Tahoe. Uh, we didn't know at the time, but shithead, i.e. our suspect, was in the driver's seat of the van lying in wait. He must have had a plan of sorts. He made visual contact with the officer, but the first officer he saw, David. Three rounds were fired. David was hit twice. David went down. Gunfire erupted, all hell broke loose, and life as I knew it would never be the same. That's the end of chapter one. Actually, the prologue. You know, and, you know, going back, I think it was here, right there, yeah, where you said where you did, what, what, what you didn't know. I mean, it's, it's one of the things that, and again, the title of the book, and one of the things as far as the, you know, why I want to promote the training that you do provide for individuals, the training you do provide for agencies and, you know, just the knowledge. And I mean, in a sense, it is foreknowledge, you know, because, you know, being in, you know, this incident, you know, despite how unfortunate what you walked away with is something that, you know, again, you, you can't learn in books. And, you know, you and I've had this discussion before to where, you know, even though somebody says something, it's like, yeah, yeah, right. It's not real life until it really happens, you know, and, but, you know, when we go in, regardless of like, and how you began the book, talking about the, you know, suspicious or the profiling and everything else, you know, we go in knowing certain things, you know, A, you know, when the call was made, whether it be 911, someone called dispatch or whatever the case may be, or, you know, called out to the scene, you're given certain details, but what, or like you said, I mean, well, what don't I know? You know, do we know this guy's suicidal? Do you know, Hey, it's going to be death by cop. Do we know there's so many things that aren't there, but you know, so that's the big question. You know, do you go into every situation thinking that, you know, if you have minimal knowledge, you know, do you automatically have to have that other, well, Hey, this may be the case and the and the answer is going to be yes 100 percent of the time i don't care what anybody says because it's that you know and and i know that you know the way that you put that in there you define how people really think about things mentally you know because the emotional side of everything of what you know officers see on a day-to-day -day basis you know seeing the dog get hit by the car or you know seeing someone get shot that can actually have it sounds stupid it sounds unbelievable to viewers or anything else but you know a dog being hit and somebody being shot could be on that same level it really could absolutely you know yeah. so i mean how do 
how do we, you know, prepare? And and that's why I want you to be the voice for, you know, a lot of the cadets, veterans, you know, supervisors alike, because it's the, regardless of how much training we have, the believability of everything is, is really this, the hurdle is the roadblock that lies in a lot of people's way because it's the, you know, we watch TV and all oh, that's not real life, but it is real life. In instance, you know, so now, like now knowing what you've seen that day going in, and I know you have those questions in the book, the, well, Hey, look, now that these you know questions are endless, if I would have done this, if I would have done that, you know, how much more different, I mean, it's the, I mean, because reading the book, I mean, and you're very, very, very descriptive. You know, a lot of individuals that go in, it's the how much of the environment are you really paying attention to, you know, to be able to make that ultimate decision. And I mean, you're very definitive in what you've seen in that situation. And it's, you know, I myself, and that's all I do is study <laughs> demographics, environments and things like that. I don't see anything that could have been done differently. I really don't because it's the you, you don't know the state of mind of that individual that was in that van until you know someone approaches you know and it, it it was a very unfortunate outcome but you know so now with with that takeaway you know how do we now prepare ourselves for instances like that to where we know we have to approach to be able to find state of mind be able to approach to be able to find you know current the real life of the current situation. So, you know, what's your takeaway on that? I mean, because, you know, you're built up to that, all the questions in mind, because somebody's not even a, they're a sociopath or they're not a human being. They wouldn't, they wouldn't pass the initial intake for law enforcement if, you know, they didn't have some kind of emotion about, about that there. So, you know, with, with, with you knowing like these possibilities, I mean, there's no reason to beat yourself up about everything because you did everything, you know, that one could in superior role, but, you know, going out now when you train individuals or you speak to individuals about what you've been exposed to, you know, which your mindset have changed. I don't want to ask you to sound like a stupid question because I mean, we'd all change things different, but, you know, knowing now, like going in what happened, was there anything now that you can look at it? Because, I mean, you, you point everything out in the book. There's different questions that, you know, could have came to mind. You know, are there certain things that, you know, now you having that experience that being provided to, you know, the cadets going in or even the veterans or even the supervisors and things like that, that, you know, we can really take that one extra precaution that is going to benefit, save the lives of ourselves or, you know, fellow officers, you know, and, and of course, the civilians. Right. Well, um, obviously, could I change the outcome? If I can change the outcome, absolutely, all day long. Um, the three major factors between that whole thing, and I'm, you know, not to get too much into the story yet, but that four and a half second gunfight where I had to take a life, that's an officer, and I came as close as I've ever come to dying. Um, all three of those on separate levels screwed me up all kinds of different ways. Uh, so obviously, could I, if I could change the outcome, a hundred percent, no questions asked. Now, um, two sides to the question that I have to I have to cover both sides is: Would I change anything about how I did what I did? Looking back on it, and believe me when I tell you, I've dissected this this tactical plan every conceivable way. 
and I think you already hit it on the head. There's really not much more I could have done. Um, my former boss, he pointed out, he goes, well, let's say you did know the guy was in the van. What are you going to do? You know, is that going to change David's tactic? Probably not. We're still going to block the guy in. Um, but again, how long do we have? We can't, we know that this guy's suicidal. We know he's armed. We know he wants to shoot out with the cops. Um, but we can't let the guy roll out of, out of the driveway and start opening fire as he's driving down the street in a neighborhood. So, and again, since we had SWAT on standby, they weren't coming. You're pretty much on your own. It's like, well, you, you don't really have many, many options here. So we've got to do what we got to do. Um, so would I change how I, how I approach that? Probably not. Now, um, giving credit to my, not my boss, but the boss that was running the scene, Joe, did a phenomenal job of bringing the dad off of the other side, bringing the scout in to look at the place, surrounding the house, having FTOs and, and specialty guys in a certain spot, these kinds of things. You know, we had to, we had to think locked down the way we were supposed to, exactly. And again, not getting too much into the story, but, you know, if you look at this, the other side of the fence with the spirituality side of things, you know, there's nothing we we're going to do to stop that from happening that day. And that was Dave's day, regardless if he was going to be killed in a gunfight or he was going to get killed in a car accident on the way home. If it's your time, um, it's your time. Absolutely. And, we'll, you know, when we start getting more into the story, you guys will hear more about that. And that's that's going to become very, very emotional. Uh, hopefully I can make it through that. Um, somebody did ask me a very, very profound question about two years after this thing happened that I hadn't even thought about. They said, picture yourself with a year on the street and this same gunfight happens. How would you have responded emotionally then? And, and man, I tell you what, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It's like... I don't know. I, I really don't know the answer to that question, but I can tell you now looking back on it, that it was probably going to be easier than in a, with a year on. And I, I mean, I kind of was in that situation. I got my first shooting with my first year on second shooting with two years on, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't the dynamic that we were in this, with this one. Day, I guess. You know, so. <laughs> Lightning thunder. So. I didn't jump down with my girlfriend. That, that, was, that, was, that was a shit magnet. All right. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, had I not had all of the emotional baggage that I was carrying in my 18th year when David was killed, I probably would have recovered a lot faster and probably been able to process through that scene easier because I probably would have had guys of my age and wisdom, you know, then if that makes sense i would have had those 18 year guys coming to me going hey man you know what it's okay you're all right and this kind of stuff and i would have probably been a little bit better off but because i was that 18 year guy and the senior guy out there with the most experience everybody's looking to me and i was a freaking disaster i'm like i need the help now i'm i'm the one that's falling apart at the seams here um so that was a huge question and that's the question a lot of guys need to ask themselves hey man you know, where, where am I sitting right now in my career? Am I, am I at that point where I need to start really taking a step back and processing through my life and my career and, you know, my emotions or am I, and I'm going to say, it cause I, I think you're kind of leading toward this in the beginning of your first question was, you know, as officers, we all have that curiosity of what's it, what does it feel like, you know, to get into a gunfight and, or to take a life, you know, and we, I mean, if, if you don't have that question burning in, your, in the back of your mind, and it doesn't have to be because you want to go out and kill somebody, that's got nothing to do with it whatsoever. But can you survive it? You know, and like I talk about mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, can you survive it? You know, 
and, and that's vital as well too because in our last broadcast the one before that we touched on our last broadcast too but you know when you were talking about you know the individual your buddy when you when you were coming back from when you went out to arizona and you guys were out there and how he said that i know that i'm never going to draw my firearm right and right. it's like well and then you, you take individuals like that because you know it, I, I really do want to have a show specifically on the emotional side of things because it does play a major factor in that next incident and we all know there's always going to be that next incident and that emotional side of it is critical in what we do every day that we go out there every day that you know it's if that emotional side is just building up and building up and building up like you just said you know if that didn't happen like you being that 18 year guy to where you know and you know you i and chris we, we spoke on this as well about the you know being able to show that we are vulnerable and that we do have vulnerabilities but you know we can still stand strong with these vulnerabilities but it's okay for us to actually admit that address that and you know kind of move forward to where you know you hit a critical state where you know you needed that support rather than being the support of everyone else you know and that's unexpected that's very unexpected so yeah it was for me anyways so it should be Hey, it should be for anyone, you know, well, again, a you. sociopath, if not, you know, it's, you're right. And, and part of the reason why I, I listed in that order, because the mental stuff is stuff you need to start preparing for because getting hired and all these kind of, which I talk about in great detail as well. Um, that's getting you prepared mentally for all of the, all the bullshit you're going to see on the street. Now, obviously physically we're going to be in shape. We're going to be, you know, running, doing our, our training and all these sit-ups and all that kind of crazy stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So that's really kind of the easy part. That's the preparation for the beginning of your career, you know, getting hired on, going through FCO and Academy and all these things. Um, but then you get a year or two, five years under your belt, depending on the size of your agency and the, and the kind of crimes you're seeing. That's when the emotional starts to come into play, you know, and that starts eating away at you and, and filling up your mind with not necessarily bad things, but just things. I'm just going to leave it at that because it could be, you know, I mean, I mean, somebody pointed out a really good thing. Like, well, is having a baby stressful? Absolutely. But that's really good. Thing, right? so, not that I would know. Thank God for that. But, uh, but then, you know, when you start to realize that the emotional toll is taken over and you, you start to lose control um, like I did. And I'm going to be the first to admit that I, I lost control because I didn't know how to handle it because I just I didn't take care of myself properly. And so for me um enter the spirituality side of things and that's when you start to realize that you know again it starts with the mental the physical then the emotional and then the spiritual side where you start to realize that you know like we just talked about before dave was you know he was set his number was up and there was nothing nothing in the world believe me when i tell you over a year it took me to finally stop blaming myself for this happening and you know, it was between me and Joe, the sergeant running the scene. We we pretty much almost went to blows boxing about who was to blame. And we had nothing to do with it. It was completely out of our control. And we had to come to that realization. And that's where the spiritual side came in for us. We're like, you know, God had a plan for Dave. And Dave was ready. Dave was, he was a rock star, man. He was ready to give up his life for his friends and his family. And that, to me, still just blows my mind. So, God you know, bless it, 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 And that goes a long way, though, too. I mean, because, again... You know how that emotional side 
you know, plays into everything. Whereas, uh, you know, we, we always blame ourselves. I mean, you know, not only in career, but also in our personal lives and things like that, you know, things, you know, go into disarray with our families, with our careers or anything like that. It's like, well, Hey, what could I have done something different? You know, and it's uh, nothing. And it's just, sometimes it's being too humble to where, you know, we're like, well, what could have I've done different to where, you know, the real answer where you finally came to realization is that there's nothing different you could have done. You know, everything was done to the very max that could have been done. But, you know, that's something that, you know, a lot of individuals and, you know, I always bring up about, you know, those fucking, the sideliners that were all, Chris, you should be able to deal with this. And, you know, we even spoke about this before about how your superior was like, you know, when you finally did come out about certain things to where, okay, hey, you should be over this by now, but hey, should I really? You know, because now I'm, you know, is it wrong that I'm more cautious now going into the next, you know, run in or, you know, the next encounter or the next critical incident or the next whatever it's going to be? Because there's always going to be a next one. But, you know, it's the people don't realize how much that emotional side plays into, you know, putting on the uniform come the next day after a critical incident. Or, I mean, sometimes it's not even really a critical incident. I mean, just putting that next that uniform on after, you know, something that was major in, in your mindset, that emotional, you know, standpoint where, you know, not individuals, not many individuals are so open about admitting that or, you know, bringing it to light. And again, that's why I just I love this book. Whereas, well, uh, I, I got to touch on that, too, because if you if you did like I did and you don't take care of yourself emotionally, when a big critical incident like this does happen, you're you're not prepared to, to handle it. <laughs> so many different levels you know like in my case if i had taken better care of myself i probably would have been you know better off with my own questions about what i did right when i did but fast forward a little bit um since you hit on hit on this one too when i went back to the street um for the first couple days after about seven weeks of being off i remember I'm playing clothes again. I'm with my most trusted partner and we're sitting in the truck and I've got a patrol car, you know, 35, 40 yards ahead of me. And I got another patrol car about 50 yards behind me. And I'm sitting there in full uniform. I'm, I'm completely protected. I've got all the rifle gear as I need. I've got everything I could ever, ever need to protect myself. And I could not sit still. I mean, I was like bordering on anxiety, paranoia. That's how bad it was just sitting there thinking to myself, I can't, I'm, I'm going to get ambushed sitting in this car and we're playing clothes and, and blacked out windows. Nobody even knew that we were, we were cops at all. And I'm, you know, I've got my hand on my freaking gun ready, thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to get obviously way into it, playing the what if game. I mean, like in a point of virtual paranoia, you know, and that's how, again, how emotionally screwed up I was in this whole thing where I can't even sit in a, in a freaking unmarked car and be not terrified to death that something's going to happen. And I've got all, you know, 360 degree protection all around me. All my guys knew, you know, what was what was going on with me and everything else. And they had my back like 10 different ways. And I was still, you know, like this. So um, that's, that's kind of important to know that these things do happen. It's, it's perfectly normal that it happens, you know, so. Perfect. You know, and it's the, and again, that's why it's important that this is being put out there. It's why it's important why, you know, officers, why agencies should take the time to have you come in and speak, take the time to read the book, if anything, you know, I mean, it's the, how descriptive the book is. If, if somebody can't read this, 
that's why I like reading. You know, a lot of people like watching movies because everything's just put there for them because, you know, their imagination really isn't there. But, you know, being able to read that book, read it in your own pace, you know, because, you know, you watch, you watch TV, you watch a movie, you know, flash, flash of a moment that, that one moment, you know, kind of went by. You know, you, you know when, when you were talking about how, you know, when, uh, you know, internal affairs, things like when they were reviewing everything, how, you know, it took them two years to make judgment on something that took you two seconds to say, hey, hey this is what it is. And it's the that real life being put into there. And then on top of that, that emotional aspect being, you know, it's. Well, I mean, for me, it was, I mean, we'll get into it again, like I said, further on down the pages, but I mean, it was a, literally an emotional roller coaster for me of all the, all the good, I'm not going to talk about it too much, but all the good triggers that pushed me forward and equally as many bad triggers that pushed me backwards, you know, and it wasn't necessarily um, a, a critical incident, which was part of it. That was a huge thing that did happen. Um, but it was also just dealing with, you know, my boss or my own self by being a a stubborn pain in the ass, which, you know, most people that know me will fully admit to that. Oh yeah, that guy's a pain in the ass. But that was me doing what we do oftentimes, you know, even a year after, you know, I'm walking around I'm like, yeah, man, I'm good. I'm finally off my ledge. I'm good to go. And I've got no other issues going on. And then next thing you know, your best friend loses his dog in a deployment on the street. That, how in the hell do you ever plan for that shit? You know? And that's, dude, I tanked, just flat out tanked, you know? And that's, that's, again, that's one of those things where I don't care how right you are. Um, I wasn't there. I wasn't part of that whole scene with the, with the dog situation, but I heard about it. And on the way back, I am, I mean, I'm like violently crying. again. And it was horrible. It was just like the worst thing ever. And you know, it took me a long time to recover from that one. You know, it's like, oh. I mean, that's one of those things where, you, you can't possibly prepare for that because that's not something you're going to be expected to, to have to deal with. And then how, how many of your past, I think, would you have three, three critical incidents before this one? Or, or it doesn't matter so many, but like, it, well, it does matter. But so how many of those critical incidents, you know, kind of like we were just talking about the, you know, it ready us for the next one. We, we play it in the mind, kind of how you were just freezing up in the unmarked car. But, you know, how many of those past critical incidents, you know, played in your mind during, you know, the, this last incident? It wasn't until after. Um, and when I say after, I mean probably, probably several months. Because just dealing with, like I talked about that four and a half seconds, just dealing with that alone was... You know, it was kind of like this. And then once I started to release and started to speak a little bit and actually do some writing, then it kind of just it branched out. And then I started recognizing that, yeah, you know what? Um, February 2016 was a really bad thing. And then March and then May, of course, with Dave. Um, and there were a few other little um, inconsistencies in there as well that just kind of kept pushing me and pushing me and pushing me. And then when I finally started to realize that um, it wasn't just Dave that pushed me over the edge, it was everything else. Um, then I started to kind of take it back and started to realize that, man, all this time when I wasn't taking care of myself, that's where I failed. That's where I failed myself and my family and my friends and my squad mates. And because I was a 
borderline arrogant because I thought I was good to go. Stubborn, freaking pain in the ass, and I was not accepting the help and accepting the, you know, the people saying, "Hey, man, we think you need to talk to somebody." No, 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 bullshit. Yeah, you do. And um, I, I try to downplay it, but fact of the matter is, I mean, I got into some pretty heavy stuff in my career. I mean, I was I was sought after as one of those guys that a lot of people wanted to be like because I got into so much shit all the time, which is great. You're wrong. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and it was a blast and people were, you know, a lot of guys want to ride with me because they couldn't believe it. Like, dude, how do you always get into so much good stuff? I'm like, well, you know, 80 percent or 90 percent of the shit I have blows up in my face. But that 10 percent pays off really good, you know. But because of that, you know, I was really popular. Um, but even with all my my greatness, which I deny because uh, I just I just wanted to work. That was my whole thing. But even as as great as people thought that I was, I still fell flat on my face. I mean, I, I fucking just got knocked over so many different ways. And again, I'm, I'm harping on this really bad, but because I did not take care of myself when I needed to the most was because I was being stupid. I was being arrogant. And because of those reasons, again, I lost almost two years of my life over being over emotional about stuff, you know? And it wasn't really my fault then. After the, after the fact, it wasn't my fault. I did what I had to do to take care of myself. Um, but I was at the lowest point I've ever been at in my entire life, you know, between that next two years. And I, I think I touched on this in the last in the last show we did, where the day Dave was killed was the day that I checked out from law enforcement. I retired two years later, and that's when I figured it out. I mean, how, how can you go from being a rock star cop on the street chasing bad guys for 18 years to not even figuring out that you're so screwed up that you shouldn't be here. <laughs> I mean, that's just, you know, it's reality. It's just the way it is. Well, I mean, it was one of the things that we touched on too, that when we had uh, Chris Gregorio on here with us as well too, to where it's the, you know, knowing when to step out, but you know, it's the, what you did with your stepping out though, that that's what kind of sets the bar though. You know, there, there's individuals that say, Hey, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm out of here. But then there's guys that know that, Hey, enough is enough in this current situation. I want to take what made it enough is enough and make it to where, you know, the next individuals coming in or the next individuals that, you know, are active can progressively move forward to where it's not enough, you know, to where hey, I am now prepared. I can now accept this because, you know, and again, because we can't touch on it enough in, in regard to the emotional side of everything. You know, to where, hey, if we can mentally prepare ourselves to where, hey, these emotional roller coasters that we're going to take, you know, throughout our career, there are ways of dealing with that as long as, you know, we, you know, talk to somebody, talk to the dog. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, I mean, you know, releasing that and, you know, knowing it's okay to actually talk to, you know, fellow officers, talk to family. And, you know, it's, I know we spoke a lot on this as well, too, to where sometimes that, you know, we don't really talk to family about the things that we go through, but, you know, that's really our stronghold. Those are the individuals we really need to share with what we go through and, you know, become that, you know, to, to work beyond that. And sometimes, you know, we, we hold back on speaking to our superiors. We hold back on, you know, addressing to fellow officers and kind of like what you said to where, you know, in that moment to where you're that 18 year guy and you're supposed to be the stronghold, but it's the, Hey, now I need somebody to actually, you know, be my stronghold. 
you know, I need somebody to turn to as well too. So it's the, you know, finding that balance. And if, and if you keep that balance on it every day, and again, you know, they're preparing for the fight, you know, when the day comes, because, you know, we have to look at it to where every day that we go out there is that day. You know, we, we know that when we put our uniform on, we put the badge on and things like that, and we step out the door, we know that, Hey, today could be that day. So knowing that, you know, as long as we, you know, clear that emotional roller coaster that, you know, plays in our mind every day. And, you know, we have our fellow officers we can speak to. We have family that we can actually, you know, address certain things. I mean, we don't want to really kind of spill everything on them, but it's the, and, you know, what we, 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 you provide the individuals and being so graphic about everything and admitting the vulnerabilities and how it affected you and, that is what's going to prepare the next individuals because, you know, it, it's just like with anything else, you know, a lot of individuals like, you know, one of my downslips my whole life was the fact that I was a bottler. You know, I just stored that bottle, stored that bottle until one day it just explodes and it's the, nobody really wants to have, you know, that in their lives. So, you know, taking heed to the words that you put on there, you know, being able to expose and express the fact that, you know, even being fucking 18 years in, you had that moment, right. you know, and by taking heed to what you're saying and taking heed to the instruction you're given, taking heed to the fact that, hey, look, guys, don't fucking just store this shit in there or talk to people, you know, better you prepare yourself. It's the, again, you took that stepping out and you prepared it to where, <laughs> Chris, your fucking career is just beginning. Seriously. I mean, it's the, right. it really is, man. Well, touching on that a little bit too, something that we haven't talked about, I don't think in the last couple of shows also is, um, it's it's a big deal, and let's not forget, you know, I mean, I, I remind myself from time to time, you know, when I start going back and reading some of these stories about all all the shit that I did and all the bad stuff, but I sometimes I forget that, holy shit, man, when I got hired on, that was the greatest thing ever. I mean, it was, it was fucking awesome, you know, and, you know, the first couple times you get into a chase or you're kicking a door and, you know, these kinds of things, and you're thinking to yourself, Holy shit, I'm getting paid for this. <laughs> People play video games for this shit. I'm getting paid yeah. to do it. You know, I mean, and for me, of course, being in the Wild West, I mean, I joke about it, carrying a gun, driving as fast as I want, and getting paid to beat people up, so to speak, which isn't true. That's not not entirely what it was. But, you know, bad guys need it sometimes. Ish. <laughs> Ish, yeah. But the fact is, it's like, man, I, I sometimes I think back, like I got to sit up thing up in Spokane, and I, I remembered to let the guys know, man, you guys are all in a – highly privileged position to be where you are you know so i try to I try to lean on the positive side of things don't forget the good stuff that we get to do you know and i mean even i mean on the professional side i mean shit i got to carry a freaking rifle and just go to the rifle range and shoot rifle rounds all day long and get paid for it i mean how can you beat that you know and then looking on the uh it's, it's a really bad thing, but it ended up being a good thing. So my, my boy was uh, six months old. He had a seizure, which ended up putting him in the hospital for three days at Children's oh. Hospital. And because of the insurance that I had through the city, thank God, um, my copay was like $400. And then I got the bill in the mail that the city came out of pocket for, $96,000, you know. And so these things that we, that we sometimes forget about, you know, and I had, you know, now living in San Diego, of course, I've got a, an apartment that's about this big, but whatever, that's another story. But at the time <laughs> when I was in Arizona, you know, I had the house on the acre, you know, 4,000 square foot house and all these things that, you know, I was afforded through the city, right? Because the city, 
I mean, yeah, I work my ass off. Don't get me wrong. I mean, a lot of overtime, a lot of off-duty shifts, these kinds of things. But the city ultimately paid for all the stuff, my toy hauler, my motorcycles, and the trips to, you know, the beach and all this kind of stuff. These are seeing things that we sometimes take for granted. It's like, man, you know what? You've got a beautiful home to come home to. You know, you can take vacations. You've got money in the bank more often than not, you know. And these are these are the positives that we need to reflect on and not be like I was and focus on all the bad shit that's going on. All oh, my boss pissing me off today or, you know, I, my freaking wife's being stupid or, you know what? Who gives a fuck, you know, move forward and remember why you're alive and, and enjoy your life. I mean, holy shit, because with Dave, you know, he, he was extinguished in, in a second. His life was over, you know, and we choose to put on that, that badge and that vest and that gun. That's a choice that we make. And we've got to take advantage of the fact that, hey, you know what, we're alive and let's enjoy it, you know, so. All right, I'm off my soapbox for now. So. No, I mean, that's, that's, that's important. You know, and it goes into, you know, the comment that was made, you know, during our first broadcast in regard to, you know, that's something that, you know, we sign on that dotted line to the respective jurisdictions that, you know, I'll do everything and up to even giving, you know, my life, you know, to make sure that the society, community, you know, individuals that we serve are truly safe, right. you know, and, you know, if, if we walk in every day with bitterness about the day before or beating ourselves up about, you know, what we could have done differently in the, you know, the last incident, that fault mine, you know, ultimately could be the determining factor that made today our day or, you know, even worse, you know, a fellow officer or, you know, civilians and things like that as well, too. So, I mean, it's the, I mean, you know, eliminating that emotional baggage that we carry or, the bitterness or the, oh, what can I have done differently? Because as you're staring off in space, what I could have done differently, you know, now you're going to be regretting the moment that you're in right now. And tomorrow you're going to be thinking about, fuck, what could I have done differently yesterday? Because I was thinking about what I could have done differently from the last incident. Well, well, and that, you know, for so. me, that, that kind of turns into a control thing, you know? And I mean, I've had multiple, multiple people tell me, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, if I have to pull another dead baby out of a car or stuff like that, it's like, you know, I mean, that's the worst of the worst. Believe me, when, you know, any cop in the world will tell you the worst things are cops and kids to see them getting hurt. Um, but the fact of the matter is, it's like, look, you know, even if you had been there, chances are you weren't going to be able to stop that from happening, you know, and you, you showed up after because we're usually responsive to these kinds of things. You're going to show up after the fact you're going to do what you can do, but, you know, and not, not leaning too heavily on the spirituality side of things again. But, you know, if that, if that baby's number is up, you're not going to stop it from happening. You know, you can be the best trained, best CPR given guy in the world, but if God has made that decision, you know, you, you have to accept that. And I hate it. I trust me. I hate it that, you know, I had a chance to save a life and I didn't um, because of whatever it was, but it was pretty much out of my control at pretty much any given time. And I hate, I hate saying it that way because we are control freaks. We want to be there. We leaders or a types. We all, you know, Hey, this is what you guys hired me to do. I'm going to go out there. And I'm going to save the world. Sometimes you just flat out can't. I mean, that's just a fact. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a hard reality. And I believe me, I've had to face that several different times. So, well, it's just like with hostage situations. You know, I mean, you know, a lot of people, again, fucking the sideliners, you know, oh my God, you could have done this. You could have done that. Yeah, you could. We, I could have, or we could have, or anything else in between. But, you know, when it is split second decisions to where is the, 
you know, I don't want people to take this the wrong way. Send your hate mail to m at truthkmg.com. <laughs> but it's the that greater good to where it's the, hey, is the sacrifice of one, you know, because that's where it becomes a blessing in essence. You know, I, and I, I don't want to say that to where it's the, how oh, could you look at a fucking kid dying or somebody else dying as a blessing? But in reality, you know, it's, it's almost like a sacrifice, you know, again, going to the spiritual side of things to where a lot of times that, you know, sometimes good people, you know, even involuntarily, you know, we make or, you know, we're given as a sacrifice for the safety, the betterment of the larger, you know, and it's the being able to. And, and that's something that, you know, a lot of people said that you can't train for. But, you know, as your book points out, in your book walks individuals through. It is something that we can mentally prepare ourselves for on being able to look at situ again, going back to the very beginning of your book. You know, talking about the suspicious activity, the profiling and things like that, knowing the exact situation where, hey, you know what, if this one sacrifice isn't made, how bad is this going to go? How fast is this going to escalate? How fast is this going to just turn around to where, hey, this one sacrifice is going to be 20 sacrifices or, you know, worse, you know, so. And if you have the opportunity, you know, I mean, this with Dave Glasser was was the worst of the worst. You know, I mean, it, it couldn't have gotten any worse um, for me personally professionally and, and whatever else. And so I could do what a lot of us do and just dwell on it and be pissed off and blame God and blame myself and blame everybody in the whole freaking world about what happened. Or I could, you know, for, you know, lack of a better term, take it on the road, if you will, and be that vehicle as my former boss called me. He goes, you know, he always calls me Christopher when I'm in trouble. He goes, you know, <laughs> he goes, you are now the witness to history. You're the vehicle to send Dave's message out to the world, you know, and he goes, you've got a couple of choices. You can, you can be pissed off and dwell on it, or you can do what you're doing and make something good out of a tragedy, you know? And that's, that's what I try to do all the time. It's like, look, you know, we're, my girlfriend and I were just, just up in Spokane. We got out of the hotel. We walked around for I mean, less than five minutes and we were in this just, I mean, just epic area. And the first thing that I thought of, and this isn't something I do on a regular basis uh, by any means. So I'm not trying to solicit this whole idea about this whole thing. But the first thing I thought of was, my God, if Dave hadn't given up his life for me and for his friends, I wouldn't be standing here in this most beautiful part of the country, you know, and and passing on his message, you know. And those kinds of those kinds of feelings hit me and semi-regularly, but not all the time. And. So I had a nice warm feeling come over me going, man, you know, and I just basically did what I always do when that happens. I'm like, I just thank Dave. I'm like, you know what, dude? I mean, I can't thank you enough for putting your life out there for me and for everybody else. And now because of what you did, now I may have an opportunity to save somebody else. And that's my whole entire goal in life, man. So, it, And that's it. It's kind of what I was going back to before when I said about how, you know, a lot of times the good that we do, or the different courses that we now take, it is them living in what it is that we do. And it becomes them living in that individual's lives that we were able to reach out to. So, you know, like my wife was murdered back in 2006. And that's when everything started, the passion started happening to where I'm able to take everything that I am, push other people forward because that's a sense of her life, you know, living in everybody that I'm able to provide different resources and different services for and things like that to where it took that tragedy and it became a blessing because if it didn't happen, 
I would have never, it's God is my witness. I would have never taken the steps that I've taken or put, you know, the different businesses, the nonprofits or the resources that are pushing individuals forward and, you know, taking individuals to the peak of their lives to where it's just, it's, it's her living through. And I know that again, you know, Dave, I know would be embracing you and just, it would be what he wanted. I mean, because yeah. you, you took, what had happened and you know now because of that and that again that sacrifice that he made you know you're able to prepare other officers going in you know even the families you know going in of what they can look for ways to better prepare themselves and ways to even you know potentially prevent any kind of incidents from happening from themselves or from fellow officers you know and things like that as well so well said man well said so yeah <sighs> oh, man it's amazing you know i mean again just these kinds of conversations would never be happening, you know, if I hadn't experienced all the stuff that I had to go through, you know, and it wasn't just me. I keep talking about just me and Dave, but there are a whole bunch of other guys that were very exceptionally touched by this whole thing. You know, guys that weren't there, that, that kicked themselves in the ass because they should have been there. You know, guys that were on the scene, that think they could have done more, you know, and it, the list just goes on and on and on, of course. Let's know? say, like, think about like, like with SWAT and everybody else that, you know, even though the call was made, you know, think about SWAT, like them being on their way to where it's the, if we would have showed up a second earlier, you know, that's what fucking pisses me off when, you know, you, you see emergency vehicles going down the road and you see these fucking halfwits that don't want to pull over or they feel that, you know, their five minutes is more important than somebody's life that they're responding to. Right, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's, it's oh, yeah. those moments to where it's the, hey, you know, you just, your little self-righteousness just cost somebody their life ultimately and things right. like that to where, you know, so then now you got the EMT or the first responder, anybody else, or maybe if I would have went around or took this side road, there's always going to be that that play on what we could have done differently. And like you just right. said, it, it, it's so much more beyond, you know, individuals that were there on the active scene because it's the ones that were, you know, potentially responding to that active scene to where, oh, if I would have got there a second earlier, a minute earlier, whatever the case may be. So it's the, uh, this goes on and on and on. Well, that's something that I talked about too a little bit. I won't get too much into detail on it, but uh, never saying the words I should have. You know, that's one thing I probably avoid more than anything else. And my verbiage is saying the words I should have. You know, because um, I trained the way I was supposed to. I got everything that I needed to get done. I was prepared. Uh, even though we lost, we failed. We got our asses handed to me. Um, there's really nothing I can say that, well, I should have done this or I should have done that or I should have never answered for that call because, I mean, that's you, you can't live that way, you know, because you got to look back with regret. And that's something that I try to instill in myself. I, every once in a while, I'll catch myself starting to say it. Even tonight during our chat, I caught myself and I'm like, nope, redirect, go another direction with this whole thing because that, that's just not what I am anymore. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, and then, you know, well, ultimately, and a positive to think about as well too is that you know think about the response time after that happened to dave though i mean yeah i mean we, we beat ourselves up that were hey look is there something that i could have done that would have prevented that happening to dave ultimately but the most important factor to think about is hey if i if we didn't respond the way that we did i did you know after that happened how much more severe would it have been how many more lives would have been lost you know, so you, you have to commend yourself for being able to regroup as fast as you did, as fast as they did to actually, you know, control the situation 
from getting a lot worse than what it did. You know, I mean, because think of how many more lives could have been lost other than just Dave's. You know, so. And you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of other details I left out of the book, but there there are a couple that that line up that he wasn't supposed to be driving that day. Uh, he wasn't supposed to be marked. You know, the way he got out of the car, the the round that struck his door, all these things. I mean, there there's just absolutely no denying when you look back on it that he was. I mean, there are too many too many factors that just led him down that path. You know, and. You know, there's just no no denying it. And I believe what I tell you, I tried to fight it. I'm like, no, that's bullshit. No, 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 no. And then when I finally came to the realization that, you know what, there, there's nothing I was going to be able to do to stop this from happening. You know, and that was that was a real tough pill to swallow. Really, really tough because, you know, I on some small level still to this day, five years, five and a half years later, I still blame myself for a few different little things here and there. Um, but again, uh, it was out of my control. And I, it's, I hate it. I hate it. Being a first responder, being a meat eater, hate that personality. I hate that I've got to relinquish that to God, you know, and it's like, oh, all right, I'm going to do it because I know that's the truth, but it's still, it's really hard. So, you know, and another thing too is that, you know, is it the, another factor and you kind of covered as well too, but you know, the, was he called in or was it the, Hey, I'm going to go in here. And again, that's where the word sacrifice is truly on that level right. to where, you know, was somebody forced in to make a moment? Because is that really a sacrifice? You were thrown in there. Whereas Man, gotta, I'm going in here. That's a sacrifice to where, hey, you know what? Somebody's going to have to do it. I'm going to go up here. And it's. I got I to gotta share a really quick story with you. Buddy of mine, special forces in Afghanistan. Um, long, long story short, this guy, is, he's American hero beyond anything I could ever even imagine. But um, they're getting ready to do an entry on a door and one of his guys uh, basically took his spot. He was the leader. This other guy took his spot and he got blown up in the door. You know, he stepped on an IED coming through the door. And he, I mean, dude, this story is unbelievable. I mean, it's like the worst of the worst. I and mean, it just gets worse and worse. But that was just one part of the story. And that was one portion where he blamed himself over and over and over again. And I, I asked him the very question. I said, look, man, I go, if it came down to a wrestling match over who was going to get to go to that door first, <laughs> you think he would have backed down? He goes, no, nah, we would have gone to blows to get to that door first. Well, you know what? Exactly what you just said, man. That was, that was his sacrifice for him to own. He knew what he was doing. He knew the risk. He took the chance on it. And, you know, God bless him, man, for doing that. And that's the exact same thing with Dave Glasser. Dave didn't have to take that spot in that conga line where he ended up. He didn't have to respond to that call at all. He could have gone 10-8 and gone freaking lunch or whatever he wanted to do. But he knew the risk. He knew what he was potentially getting himself into. And probably very much like me, he's like at the very beginning of his shift versus the very beginning or very ending of my shift. He's like, cool, it's 2.30. Let's get into something, man. At the beginning, you know, and bam, there they go, him and his partner. Rest of the day, be paperwork. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. So I mean, and God bless him for making that decision. That you know, hey, I'm not gonna just like I talk about. I'm not gonna run from the bullies or the bullets. I'm gonna go down there. I'm gonna kick some ass. You know, and it is un unfortunately ten different ways that we lost. You know, but look where we are now with everything going on. You know, with with Dave and what his mom has done, and they've got a a whole, I mean, a whole network of different kinds of things, just like you're doing. 
under Dave's name, and it's just it's just unbelievable, you know. So awesome, you know. It, kind of in that book that you know and I were talking about before, you know, we actually started the broadcast with uh, Sebastian Junger in the book War. War goes into the psychology of everything else too, to where you know soldiers, law enforcement, you know, going in to where when it does come into the gunfights, let's just say or whatever, where, you know, we as human beings, we don't perceive death as being relevant to us. You know, as we're running in full gunfire and everything else blazing, you're thinking, oh, this poor bastard right here is about to get shot, <laughs> you know, and, and you just keep running forward. And, you know, a lot of times that's what kind of, you know, makes that progression or the possibility of sacrifice happen because it's the the death isn't relevant to me at this moment. I'm going to go in here to make sure that, you know, you, everybody else around me is safe and things like that. So and that's what makes it, you know, the, the beauty of the sacrifice is that, you know, again, I said it before, but, you know, if Dave didn't make the decision, you know, it would have been you making the decision to go in there and, and make it happen. So it's just, the, you know, and again, now it's the you being able to take that, recognize the sacrifice that Dave made, and being able to take that, share that story with everybody else. Because again, all that is doing by you sharing that story about Dave's sacrifice, your sacrifices that you made on a daily basis to better prepare, you know, you know, law enforcement cadets going into individuals that are, you know, deciding if they want to go into law enforcement or not. Like today, you know, recruits and cadets actually joining the force. It's, it's at a very, 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 it's low. You know, it isn't what it used to be. So, you know, us finding, you know, the, the right qualified individuals to go in there because you, you have to have a passion about it. It isn't just about a career. I mean, it takes a very special individual to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to choose the career of law enforcement, you know, let alone military and things like that as well, too. And your, your book puts it in such perspective to where individuals know, you know, that initial feeling and everything else going in. And what to kind of expect and everything else as well too you know and uh so it's being able to take a sacrifice and what you do with that it's the let's just say the bible for example i mean i don't want to i don't want people oh my, i can't believe you just compared this book to the bible oh my god you're a fucking <laughs> devil but like realistically you know, if nobody would have put into words the sacrifice that was made, you know, thousands of years ago, would we even be able to have that perspective or the, hey, this is what sacrifice is. Right. You know, it's the, hey, what is sacrifice? Oh, I decided not to go outside today. I sacrificed that. It is, yeah. you know, without putting that into perspective, you know, and you taking that and putting, you know, Dave's sacrifice in there in that moment you taking from this let's rewind to the beginning of the book of when you know you were in carpet and then you know you're fuck i want to go drive fast and chase people and shoot people it's like you know it's the it, it, it sounds like a well that's not really the cause of going in you know because like you just you know you said like well you know i told him i want to you know make sure that the community is safer for my family and everything else too but it's the is this career right for me am i willing because 
And then putting that whole sacrifice in that book is vital because, you know, everybody that's thinking about joining law enforcement, everybody that's in law enforcement, we have to have that realization that, you know, one day it may be me making that sacrifice and going back to your buddy when you were in Arizona to where he's like, I'm never going to, I know I'm never going to draw my gun. Well, or, or the guy that couldn't jump that fucking six foot wall when, you know, you had that, um, the arm, arm incidents where you're on the rooftop. You know, it's the I don't want that fucking guy here, because if you're not willing to make that sacrifice, I may die. We all may die. Civilians may die. And because you didn't want to make that sacrifice. So if I can't make that sacrifice, I'm going back to what Chris said, where, you know, when we join and we sign our names on that dotted line to, you know, regardless of the prospective jurisdictions to where I'm willing to give my life for, you know, my fellow brothers, my fellow sisters, you know, the, the community and everything else as a whole. Whereas the if we can't make that sacrifice, acknowledge that sacrifice, it's all for fucking nothing, you know. And the way that you structure everything throughout the book, it, it's beautiful, you know. And and that's that's the reason why, you know, more individuals need to have it as you know mandatory curriculum for cadets, for the veterans, for senior officers, and everything else as well too. Well, I'll tell you, man, when this thing started, I never. I never thought it was going to be anything more than me just writing my own memoirs and what have you. And of course, we all start off the same way. Oh, yeah, you need to write a story of everything you did, you know, that particular or something you did for one particular day, whatever it is, which I never did. I don't think anybody ever does, you know. And then when this thing started to turn into something special, when Natalie came on board and now, you know, talking to guys like you and, and listening to her and going back and reading some of the stories. I kind of joke about it on, a, on some level like, man, I actually do almost sound like I know what I'm talking about, you know, um, but to get such endorsements from some really heavy hitters like yourself, it's like, man, maybe this thing is something more than I ever planned it to be. So now my, my goal is my dream, I should say is, um, yeah, I just did it. I just said it should have, should have words. So, but uh, my dream is I want it to be, you know, the next on combat to where it's required reading. Um, and for no other reason, to be honest with you, be perfectly straight up is just awareness. You know, make yourself aware that, hey, this career is for me. This career isn't for me. Hey, I want to know what it's like to be in a gunfight. Hey, I want to know what I got to do to train myself mentally and physically and all this other kind of shit, you know. And you know, that, that fucking Hoyer, he did it all wrong. I'm going to do it the right way. I'm going to go my direction. And, you know, I hope you do. I hope that whatever you do, your career is more fulfilling on whatever level it is than it was for me. Now, don't get me wrong. I had the time of my life. I mean, I still look back and think to myself, the stuff that I was able to do, the people that I've met, you know, the things I was able to accomplish in my life just – because I made that decision to jump into this, into this profession is, is profound. It's just unbelievable. You know, and I feel so incredibly blessed that, you know, I was, I was given that opportunity. You know, don't get me wrong. I freaking work my ass off for guys that don't know. I failed to written the first time I failed to sit ups like three or four, eight times, whatever it was, never quit fighting. Um, so everything that I did looking back on it now was a fight and it was a good fight. You know, and I fought through and I fought through and I fought through. And now, again, I've already mentioned this before, living the best life I've ever had. And it's a lot of it's based on the decisions that I made to join this, join this, you know, profession. So, you know. And, you know, and with that being said, I want to I want to put her comment back up here again to, you know, the beautiful Natalie here, you know, the old editor, one of them kind of put it in the closet, things like that. 
but her her sentence right here, it's her statement or you know however you want to take it. It's 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 not only vital to the aspect where the encouragement to get you to write the book, the encouragement to put it in the paper, the encouragement to you know spread it to, you know, again cadets going in, people that are already in this field. Hey, is this right for me? Nothing but love notes, you know. But it's the you know, supporting like family, supporting somebody to make the decision to go into the career. You know, when we're sitting here and we're looking at the different risks that come with the career, you know, and it's the people think that, you know, you must be insane to actually, you know, make the decision to go and do that and everything else to where is this something that I want to do? Am I really willing to make this sacrifice? You know, is what I'm going to do going to benefit myself, my family, the community? And, of course, it's more. I told you it was. And, you know, a lot of times we don't see that in ourselves. How often can we sit here and say that, hey, this is going to benefit the next individual? You know, because if, let's say she didn't support you, you know, it, you know it, it'd be just a, you know, just be papers. Yes, sir. Exactly. You know what I mean? And it's just that in, in a lot of times it's, it's that one voice that you said, I mean, Again, the sequencing, you know, you and I discussed this the last time as far as the how much of you did Natalie know prior to, you know, how much of the sequencing was planned or how much of it was just, you know, gibberish written down on the paper, not gibberish, but, you know, just so scrambled about I have so many thoughts going on. Let me just put it down on paper and, and her being able to structure it in the sequencing because, you know, you and I've had the conversation multiple times about, you know, fucking people sitting on the sidelines always think that, you know, oh, you could have done this better, but, you know, her having that unbiased sitting on the sideline and being able to structure that because it's beautiful how she's able to take what you wrote down, written down, what you wrote down, what you wrote down and be able to say, Hey, you know what, if this was going to apply to me on how me going in, me being in, you know, the progression of it, the structure of it. I mean, I know it's your words, but the duality, it, it wouldn't have been possible, you know, what Natalie did with it wouldn't have been possible if your words weren't on that paper. You know, what you wrote down wouldn't have been possible to be able to express out to where individuals like myself can say, oh, you know, this is how this applies. You know, the cadets, the training force and things like that, that I really want to kind of, you know, see you take this is just, if she didn't have the faith in you, I mean, would that be in paper? I, mean, I know you handed her the manuscript, but if it wasn't a, yeah, hey, they need to hear this, they need to hear this, you know, I mean, because in, in essence, it's, you know, Dave also saying, hey, fucking people need to hear this, people need to hear this, you know, yeah. so. Well, I'll tell you exactly, I mean, as much as we joke about it, I mean, it was, that's another huge God thing right there, because God put us together, and the way our lives were progressing in different directions, and then just, I mean, we got brought together at the absolute most opportune time. And what what I've learned from her and the thing, things that she still doesn't know are actually true about what I did on the street. She's, you know, still really can't believe it. She's like, I, I can't see you doing doing all these things, you know. She's going to pull you to the side after this broadcast. And I'm like, what don't I know? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like all, all the bad stuff of, of having to be – you know, that ugly guy and, and freaking taking dudes down with force, you know, and I, I hated having to be that guy, but, you know, sometimes that's what we're called to do, you know, and don't get me wrong, you know, I had myself prepared for these kinds of things, um, 
mentally and physically, and we're you know, not to go harping on that again, but when I knew that I wasn't going to lose a fight, you know, the confidence that that came with was, was paramount. And I never did. I never lost a fight except for with Dave. That was the one, the biggest fight of all time that I'm ever going to lose. Um, but all the way up until then, and even after, you know, I knew that um, I was going to go home tonight and whatever it took not to be dirty or go outside of policy or violate anybody's rights. But, you know, when I, when I take down a 260 pound guy, because he's, you know, being stupid. And then I'm like, Holy shit. I'm like, at the time when I graduated at 140 pounds, I'm like, wow, look at that shit. I mean, I actually know what I'm doing now. So that brought a tremendous amount of confidence and wanted me to do more. You know, I wanted to go out there and, and get into more stuff and do more for the good, you know, being a professional good guy and all these things. And it was, it was awesome. I mean, it was, again, it was one of those things where, you know, even though, yeah, there were some really hairy, dangerous times going down the freeway at 100 miles an hour chasing bank robbery suspects. I'm just, I mean, hair on fire, hanging out the window, screaming, going, yeah, this is great, man. You guys are paying me to do this shit, you know? And, um, and of course, you know, there were the times when things kind of went bad, and, you know, they, they were starting to catch up to me. But um, even, even before Dave, when things started going bad, you know, I, I had the ability to say, okay, this was a bad day, but look what I still get to do. You know, I'm still riding my freaking my huge motorcycle you know racing on the racetrack and all these great things that i've that i've been blessed with and you know chasing bad guys is is the benefit on the side you know it's all all the bad stuff that i had to go through and you know i keep i keep talking about it but i, I don't want people you know hearing my story thinking to myself oh my god i can i can never survive that kind of a career i can never kill somebody i can never come that close to dying i i would never well I mean, these are extreme circumstances. Don't get me wrong. Now, I mean, I'm that, you know, very low number of guys that have been involved with all these shootings and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, that was more just me, you know, being in the right place at the right time, if you will. Um, but also preparing myself with with the proper training and these kinds of things to be ready for this all this shit, you know, or whatever it was. So. Well, I mean, 100%. And also... You know, it's the just like in regular life, you know, fucking, you know, people always, you know, people confuse confidence with arrogance a lot of times, you know, and, you know, people always say, oh, you're an arrogant prick. It's like, no, I'm confident in what I do, but, you know, and especially in the field where you have to be confident that, you know, that 250 pound guy is, you're, you're going to take him down. You, you have to know that going in because if, if you're that, you know, hesitation again is always, you know, and then hesitation is created because of the fact that we don't have confidence in ourselves or our partners that, you know, we're going to be able to subdue the next individual or we're going to be able to, you know, make them succumb to what, you know, whatever our orders are. So that confidence is vital to everything that we're doing. But in the same sense, it's the we also have to have confidence in those around us as well. So then our our confidence gets heightened because it's the, well, I know I can handle this. I hope you can too, you know, but it's the, hey, I can carry us all. Fuck it. I'm going to go in here and, you know, full, you know, guns are blazing, rah, rah, rah. But, you know, that realization has to come in there because, again, you know, the possibility of it happening, that's like with uh, military personnel. I think the odds, the numbers are, I don't want to, you know, fog it or obscure it, but it's only like three to six percent of military personnel actually see active combat. Right. I mean, right. and you think about those numbers, for instance, it's like, well, fuck, if I'm going in, my odds are pretty good that I'm not going to see active combat. 
But what's going to happen if I do? Am I confident enough? Am I ready enough to be able to go in there and handle the situations that, you know, ultimately aren't going to cost me my life, but you, you know, everyone around, civilians, everything else too. So, you know, that confidence has to, you know, be a large part. You know, also going back into the comment I made in one of our previous broadcasts in regard to, you know, traffic cops to where, you know, just because you don't have these critical incidents or you haven't been exposed to these critical incidents to where, you know, every traffic stop fucking, you know, they're handing you their ID, they're handing you their license, they're handing you their uh, insurance information, registration, blah, 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 to where you become so complacent because every traffic stop has been the same during the course of your whole career, whether it be for a couple of months or a couple of years. Now you walk up to one and responding to one and they're not just so they're not so compliant. So, you know, now, are you confident enough to handle that situation, you know, or, you know, are you prepared? And, and, and that's why it's vital that regardless of somebody's stature in the department, regardless of somebody's stature in the military, regardless of somebody's stature in society, preparedness is the only way to live or even go into specific careers such as yours, you know, so. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, touching a little bit more on the, uh, you know, the confidence in your in your peers, you know, I got to take it a step further because I remember my very first tasing I ever had, which was completely awesome. I mean, I wrote about it in the book. Dude, it was it was the greatest thing ever. But um, you know, I had I had come from a boss that you know a guy got hurt on the street, and his first response was, "Well, did he scream like a bitch?" So that's <laughs> that's what I was getting used to. And then when I had my new boss, who was great, him and I were still close friends. We just went and stayed with him at his house out in Arizona a couple months ago. Um, when I tased this guy, the guy, and he was by, I was by myself, you know, the guy was a wanted felon for a bunch of stuff. And I was, you know, I hit the guy and he goes down and he starts to get back up. So what's my natural response? I hit him again. And when I said that, my boss flipped out and he started quoting policy and all, and I was like, oh man. So I started getting really apprehensive about, you know, wanting to go hands on with guys because I thought he was going to try to jam me up for some stuff. And I finally got to the point where I had to take him aside and said, boss, look, I love you, but you're going to get me killed. You're flat. And he's like, what do you mean? I go, you're, you're making me question my tactics on the street versus doing what I do. And I said, look, let me go do what I do. I guarantee you that I'll give you the numbers that you expect safely without causing any complaints and causing anybody to get hurt unnecessarily, all these kinds of things. But, you know, if this is how it's going to be, one of us needs to leave, you know, and that, I mean, I got to be honest, that took some courage for me to, to come to him and say that. Um, but, you know, when I, when I did that, he, he started to realize and take a step back on, yeah, you know, I don't really need to be that, that micromanager because this is what you do. You got hired to do this shit, go out there and take care of business. And I, you know, I told him, you need to trust me. I know what I'm doing. Leave me alone. Let me go do my job. And when he did, when he let, let the reins go, I got back to where I was supposed to be, and I was I was terrified that I was going to make a bad decision because of him, you know. And that that is not a way to work. You cannot work that way, you know. And that's what worked for me. That's another one of those things that I talk about in the book. That was a way, not the way. That was a way that worked for me. And people need to realize that, you know. You're like with my my former boss Steve. I'm like Steve. I'm not freaking, I'm not you. I am not going to go out there and write tickets. I'm not a motor. This is not what I do. But what I do is give you a felony arrest every day, whatever it happens to be. I'll make my partner do the report, but I can find them, you know, whatever. Just kidding. Um, But this is, again, this is one of those things where 
you need to, well, I'm not going to say you need to, I would like for people to, to take what I have on board and then branch off to whatever it is for for them particularly. You know what I mean? Because again, a lot of stuff that worked for me is probably a little bit antiquated now in today's society because a lot of stuff I talk about is, is you know, five, 10, 15 years ago, whatever it is, 23 years ago now, which is unbelievable. Um, but again, these are things that you can, you can say, okay, here's a great starting point. And now I'm going to go the complete opposite direction of this clown because that's bullshit. Or I'm going to say, yeah, you know what? I like that. I'm going to go, I'm going to take it to the next level or just going to do something similar to what I did in the street and whatever it happens to be. And I, I would love it on every single level. You know what I mean? So as long as it keeps people safe and gives them some, some positive direction to go with and Hey, so be it. Well, you know, a lot what the book does is like, you know, with the shock value and things like that as well, too. Like a lot of a lot of civilians, a lot of individuals don't realize that everything that's in, let's say, our arsenal that we can deploy. We also have to be subjected to. So if if in my arsenal of you know things that I'm able to deploy to, you know, apprehend or disarm or, you know, subdue, you know, a subject, you know, I also have to be hit with my pepper spray. I also have to be hit with my baton. I also have to be hit with my taser. So, you know, it's that the preparedness to know, Hey, this is how it affects me. I know now going in that, Hey, the, 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 the subject that I'm about to apprehend, they're about to <laughs> you know, oh, like yeah. a, a oh, fish yeah. out of water on the ground, you know? So, but it's, it's that preparedness and it's that same shock value as if, you know, I'm standing there and, you know, you know, waiting for my superior or anybody else to, you know, hit me with their baton, hit me with the taser, you know, that book's shock value is also that, hey, you know what? You may not always have to deploy this. You may not always be subjected to this type of environment, this demographic or this, you know, critical incident. But why the fuck would you not want to be prepared? Because, A, you already made the decision to come in here, make the sacrifice and, you know, have the, the foreknowledge that, again, you know, going back to the you know, what perception is, you know, to where, you know, what kind of image has been painted into an individual's mind, you know, kids, again, going back to the kindergarten where, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a policeman. You know, it's like, what perception as a kid, though, do you see as far, do you really see the tragedies with a body swoon or, you know, having to pull a baby out of a dumpster opposed to the, hey, is everything just traffic stops? Are you just going in there kicking a ball or throwing a ball with a kid? You know, it's the, you, you have to have that shock value because just because you're not going to be exposed to it on a daily basis, per se, you may live in an environment. I mean, look at the demographics in the different cities around the nation, you know, to where you have the higher, the higher crime demographic opposed to the ones to where, you know, it's majority sunshine and rainbows. Just because it doesn't happen doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So why would you not want to be prepared for that? And that's why I love the shock value of the book. That's why it's not even really fucking, it's not make believe you took a real incident, a real tragedy and said, Hey, you know what? This is what is possible. Let's better prepare ourselves so that, you know, it's not us that falls next time, you know? So. No, and that's, that's huge, man. I love what, what you said that you say it much more better than I can. So, <laughs> you know, so. We just gotta use we, we gotta use Natalie to uh, kind of just conjure up the words and put it. <laughs> well, she yeah, she's the she's the unicorn man. She definitely uh, you know she made it magical. You know, for me, I mean, when I when I was writing it, dude, I'm not kidding. I mean, 
most of the cops will laugh when I hear that because the whole thing when I was doing it was all in caps, you know, and like three or four exclamation points and all this kind of stuff and all these really words that don't exist and shit like that. She's like, yeah, no, we need to, we need to fix all that. I'm like, no, but they'll understand. They'll, they'll grasp what I'm trying to say when I say it this way. She's like, yeah, but this isn't just for cops. It's for a lot of other people as well. I'm like, all right, well, you're the professional. I guess I'll bow to your, to your grace here. (laughs) It's like, well, people get aggravated at me all the time because like, I always, like when I, when I type, you know, the, the first letter of every word is caps. Yeah. You know, yeah. Kind of space it out. Cause like, I, I, I always think that it's like easier to read and people get pissed off about it. So it's like, why do you have all the caps? You know, that's supposed to be for, and then you get to the grammarly, uh, you know, that's not, that's not grammatically proper, you know, that's only for like proper nouns and blah, 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 blah. I'm just like, well, that's oh, shoot. Natalie, he's a self-admitted grammar Nazi. So believe me when I tell you, man, we're looking at billboards and she's like, there should be a comma there. <laughs> Sweetheart, let it go. I get it, you know. But, but there was one thing that I did insist on, and I, I mean, haven't even looked at it lately, but having every, the word officer, each one of those capitalized, you know. And she's like, okay, but that's not really. And I'm like, I don't care if it's a proper name or whatever it is, you know. I That's just how I kind of feel that, you know, when, you know, I read a story about Mark Atkinson, who was killed my first year on, second year on, um, when I started to realize the, the impact that uh, I was having personally on the decision that I made was like, wow, you know, this is, this is more than just me wearing a badge and a gun. This is like a whole lifestyle slash community. And I started to take a whole nother approach to being prideful that I was able to, to do this, man. It was unbelievable. So for, as far as I'm concerned, not that cops are in a higher plane than anybody else, but I kind of felt like, that that big O, that big officer needs to start with that. You know, um, I need to look back in there to see if that actually is the case. I'm sure it probably is, but by the time this thing started getting toward the end, truth be told, I really wanted no part of it anymore. I was like, let's just get this thing done and just get it out there because I'm sick of reading it, man. I'm sick of kind of you know having to go back and edit and change and add and reread the same stories over and over and over again. And this is. You know, God bless her soul for having to do this because having to go through this thing over and over and over, you know, for months and months and months and months on end. And I mean, it was unbelievable the, the amount of work she put into it. So um, I had a point here, but I think I lost track of where I was going. So. No, but it is, I mean, because it's, it, and again, because it's the, you know, sometimes we get lost in the moment, you know, whether it be in real life family life careers and things like that to where you know it's the we have so much to throw out there you know sometimes you know it takes you know that other party that other individual to actually say hey this is what you're trying to we can say what you're trying to say sort it down a little bit you know like i, I get long-winded a lot of times too you know so it's the, <laughs> hey we could we can say that whole paragraph with you know five words it's like right. let's just go ahead and you know put it right there so it is important too and you know the emphasis too because you know, the beauty of what she does, it isn't just, you know, trying to look at it to where, hey, this is the message that you're trying to convey, but also looking at it, it it's two-sided to where, hey, I can see what you're trying to say, but me as a listener, this is how, you know, I can hear it and actually put that onto a broader scale as far as the actual, the receiving side, the crowd, you know, basically, yeah. as far as how they're going to be able to receive that. And, 
you know, ha actually have that perception of what you're really trying to say rather than, you know, if somebody read one of my just long winded paragraphs be like, okay, we get lost. And what we're actually trying to say rather than just a, hey, this is what it is. Oh, okay. Cause it's just a, you know, a shorthand. Let's just say, you know, well, I love that you use the word listener because I got to throw the plug in there. The book's actually out on uh, audio as well now. So if people don't want to read it and don't want to have it in their hands, like so many guys don't want to do, um, I realize that I'm, I'm a reader. I love to just hold, hold it in my hands, this kind of stuff. But there's so many guys that, you know, we have not talked to like, dude, I, I drive an hour and a half to work and I listen to it, you know, on the way to work, on the way home or whatever. And with beauty part about that, of course, as well as you can stop it and pause it anytime or go back and be like, hey, you know what? At one hour and 33 minutes, that was my favorite part. I'm going to go back and listen to that a couple more times, you know, and uh, I just love that part as well. And we got so lucky with that, too, to find the right guy to do the, the audible for us. And that turned out better than i ever dreamed of i was like holy cow man this is amazing so um so that's yeah i gotta throw it out there for the guys that don't know uh, i'm sure you're probably gonna do this already but um um amazon kindle and audiobooks uh all amazon stuff uh, you can find it on any one of those any one of those venues and uh i can also finagle so there's the at the bottom of the screen right there, that's the that's the audio book right there that's done. It's on the, the audible.com, which is actually Amazon. Right, so, right, right. So, so this right here is where, you know, individuals can go get the audio book and everything else, too. You're way ahead of me. And then the audio book as well, too, because, I mean, the audio book on the Kindle is the one that has the forward by, you know, Lieutenant Colonel, uh, the killologist, Dave Grossman. Yeah. You know, so, it, and, and that really is huge. I mean, I... Again, I, I love how humble you are about, you know, the book itself and everything else, too. But, you know, having the backing of the, the killologist, <laughs> you know, it's the it's it really is huge, you know, and, and especially, you know, individuals being able to hear the different, again, perception and then him being able to state that it's one of the best law enforcement books that he's read. That's huge coming from an individual that is. You know, I'm not going to say really the benchmark for different law enforcement agencies about, you know, why people kill and everything else, because your book takes the other side of that as well, too, of being able to take the, hey, this is when it happens, but it doesn't have to happen. You know, right, if we right. better prepare ourselves and things like that, too. So it's a it's a great mix. And, you know, having that forward to kind of do the introduction to your book, it, it's phenomenal. It really is. Well, and I, I coach when I read the email from, from Dave, I couldn't believe it, man. I was, I was in shock, <laughs> but, um, I got to throw a little quick thing out there. So you have the original version and the audible version is that same version. Okay. That makes sense. So those two are the same. Now the one, the new, this hard copy version with Dave's endorsement on there has four brand new chapters in it. Um, but the audible version does not have those chapters in there. So, uh, for folks that want those four new chapters that haven't read the book before, um, you got to get the hard copy of the uh, the updated version, a second edition is what we call it. So hopefully that made all made sense. But <laughs> no, it, it did as well too. And I mean, it's the uh, that's what I was trying to show individuals as well too. Was the uh, alert? Alert! You have a message from the dark. 
Fabulous. Good night. Um, bear me for one moment. I'm trying to. What's that one? Oh, not that one. That's correct. That's why I like to. That's why I like to provide the the direct links because it's so hard for individuals to actually find the uh, the specific one. When you if you just try to like search it and do a, a Google search and everything else, it's so hard for them to actually pull the one that's uh, relevant to. Yeah, for folks that don't know, I mean, they'll, they'll pretty much look the same unless you're looking for the finer details on it, you know, so. Um, but uh, just for for fun, the guy that actually did the Audible for us is the Dunkin' Donuts spokesperson, so. <laughs> Great. Top book sponsored by the Dunkin' Donuts guy, which is hilarious. So. Uh, but he did. He did a really good job on it. In fact, when we heard the, uh, the epilogue, <laughs> Uh, we were both pretty much in, in tears going, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. So, it, 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 it's a, The irony behind everything, too, just makes it, you know, that much more comical and funny. You know, it's just that you know, the, the, the people that have been like anti-law enforcement for, you know, this past year or two, you know, comes out as actually the spokesman for it. You know, it only serves it right. You know, it's the, <laughs> exactly. the, the glory amongst it all. Yeah, oh, yeah. So those are the things that you know kind of make us smile thinking man you know some of this some of the stuff makes it all worthwhile you know um obviously i'd rather have dave back if i could by any stretch but some of the things that you know some of the good that came out of it is is, is pretty good it's actually really good so Because I have all the, so I have the different links. It's on the face. It's actually on the Facebook. I have uh, every one of the links, whether it be for the paperback, whether it's for the uh, Audible, whether it's for everybody's patience at home (laughs) 
So this is the one right here. So this is just a screenshot of everything else, but it actually has, if uh, individuals, you know, pull up the actual Facebook post that I made, it actually has the forward by Dave Grossman. So that's how they can actually go to the amazon.com when the day comes, the DP forward slash B09BG8Z81J. And they can actually obtain the copy of the Dave Grossman in uh, forward as well that's actually auto uh audible right on so but i mean it's 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 important too because it actually again other people's perspective where you know just like when you were writing everything down you know you you had one vision of everything else not only being able to take what it is that you wrote down and converting that into something that's layman's terms for everybody else you know we spoke before about you know when individuals are going on the stand like when uh it was a broadcast of shares to where when, you know, when law enforcement officers actually take the stand and they're speaking in front of a jury, you know, I, I engage my overhead, <laughs> my overhead equi emergency uh, equipment. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I turn my lights on. <laughs> you know what I mean? To where it's, the, you know, putting it into that layman's perspective to where it is relevant to, you know, individuals reading the book, relevant to, you know, even law enforcement officers, you know, to where sometimes it's the taking that moment to where it's not real life because they haven't seen it, but then making it real life because it's there, you know, so. Well, we had a, had a really good, um, another endorsement from a local bookstore here in California and, Basically, what she said was that it's like being on a ride along with me, you know, which, again, that's one of those huge compliments to me that I mean, I've I mean, the joke, of course, I say it, you know, I can never write a police report, but I can write a book. <laughs> I, I, you know, I never thought that I was going to be an author when I joined the force. Even when I wrote this book, I never thought it was going to be something that was going to be in my hands. But now that it's something real and it's it's making some headwind now it's it's thinking it's just unbelievable that wow actually you know i'm making a pretty good impact for me that's dude that's huge that people are taking it on board and accepting it and, and enjoying it you know i mean that's but again going back to the whole aspect of it to where it's the you know like and you said it perfect about you know being like like it was a ride-along because when you when you look at the aspect where you know what this should be as a training module for law enforcement officers law enforcement agencies military personnel that you know when you can take the individual that is second guessing going in hey well i pull my firearm well hey what are you gonna how are you not gonna pull your firearm in an instance like this so what you're telling me is that you're not gonna have that confidence to save you know a fellow brother or fellow sister's life or you know or the civilians because I don't want to pull my firearm, you know, to where, hey, you need to ride along with me real quick. You need to look at just because this instance doesn't happen every day in uh, prospective jurisdictions or anything else like that. They are instances that really can happen, you know, so you really need to take heed to what I'm saying. Ride along with me, you know, have your little manual with you and, you know, take this ride with me because it's, it could save your life. It could save your fellow officer's life. It could save your family's life and things like that. Kind of, you know, and, and you said it perfect in, you know, our last broadcast in regard to, you know, to where, you know, you're not a big advocate for, you know, guns, but you do believe that, you know, every individual on the right side of the law should own a gun, but also be properly trained on how to discharge firearm, when to know when to use it, when not to use it, different instances of like how you can prepare yourself to not have to use it. 
So it's the same thing with, you know, the book. It's the, hey, this is my training manual as I'm writing along because this is what I can expect. You know, we're all going to play this mind fuck as far as the why am I going into this career? What am I going to expect going into this career? Now, hey, I really don't see the, you know, sometimes we look at the pay as being, you know, law enforcement across the board is underpaid. I don't care what anybody says, you know, but the, hey, now being able to have the city provide insurance to where I can care for myself, I care for my family, you know, and, and receiving that payoff, you know, it's the right along. Let's look at this, you know, hey, you know, I, I look at everything as, as the game of chess, you know, it's the every move we make in life, every decision that we make for career, every decision we make for family, we have to look at the cost and we have to look at the benefit, you know, and is that cost willing? I mean, is it viable for the benefit that, you know, I, my family, or, you know, my people with, uh, with my career are going to benefit from. And it's the, the, the perspective that the book puts it in and, you know, Natalie, virtual high five, virtual hug. I mean, because, you know, you, you taking Chris's, you know, life, you taking his career, you taking, you know, his emotion and putting it on a paper to where individuals can have a true ride along. It's going to benefit them in making that ultimate decision on if they want to go ahead and go into the career of law enforcement, you know, if they are willing to make that sacrifice during their career in law enforcement. And it, it's vital. I mean, because it is that mind play that people really need to be exposed to. And it is something that people really need to be in check with themselves about, because if you're not willing to make that sacrifice, it's not the fucking career for you, period. You know, if you're not willing to see the dirt pulling babies out of dumpsters, out of trash cans, out of that green pool, as you described, it's not for you, you know, keep watching TV, you know, it's the, take the ride along and people need to see that. I mean, if it's the, you know, and especially into the Academy, you know, that that's where your training would be fucking huge. Chris is the fact of going into, you know, the fresh recruits going in there thinking they're tough shit, you know, we're all young and all, yeah, hey, wow, but hey, let's go ahead and take this ride along. Let's see how ready you really are. You know, let's see what sacrifice you're willing to make. I mean, it's and just, I, I want those guys to be tough. I want them to be, you know, prepared and ready and all these kinds of things. And, um, but I also, you know, like I talked about before, I want the awareness side to, hey, you know, be be prepared for some of the bad stuff too. Um, and I think we've kind of excluded a little bit of the rest of the world too because, you know, for the naysayers that don't like cops, dude, you look at the book and see what it is that we really do in real life and the emotions, you know, we're not freaking robots that – don't have families and, and all these other kinds of things. It's like, Hey, you know what, just because I'm wearing a badge doesn't make me an evil person or what have you, you know, there are, are, you know, plenty of things that I do that I don't want any part of, but that's my responsibility as a, as a public official. That's what I have to do. You know, does that mean tickets and all this kind of stuff? Not necessarily, but you know, if it's going to save, you know, a life like I was telling Natalie a story of a good buddy of mine. He's a he's a former canine handler. Just lost one of his dogs. Um, so I think it was more of an illness than anything else, which is still tragic. But he he picked up a freaking dude riding down the street at two o'clock in the morning who literally had just gone to somebody's house and kidnapped a two or three year old kid. If that guy wasn't there, that kid guaranteed would be dead. There's no questions asked. You know, and if the cops aren't going to be there to take off the the evil of the world. Who's going to do it for us? You know, and, and another thing, too, is like, you know, you have all these fucking naysayers that they always got, you know, their, their little two bits to put in there. But it's the 
that's like you could take an individual that just lives in regular suburbs or anything else like that, and then they see something on TV or they read something in a book to where look at Philadelphia or New York, the subway systems, right? The shit that goes on on a simple subway ride, you know, to where, you know, you could see somebody choking somebody or, you know, a guy beating his girlfriend up in broad daylight on the subway, a knife to their throat and things like that. It's the, oh my God, you didn't step in and do something. Are you going to step in and do something? You know, are you going to put the badge on and go out there and face the, the evils of the world or the shit nobody else wants to deal with? And it goes in with the same thing with, you know, you see so many Americans crying about, the Mexicans are coming over here stealing our fucking jobs. Well, you know, they're doing shit that nobody else is wanting to do. I mean, it's exactly. fucking, are, are you going to get out there and do it? No, you're not. Because if you yeah. were going to get out there and go do it, you'd be out there fucking doing it right now. And there wouldn't be a job for them to fill. You exactly. know, the same thing with law enforcement. Everybody wants to have this little, oh, my God, you guys are you know, the evils of the world. And, you know, I use statistics, you know, the real numbers to where it's the, you know, people talk about and they play on, you know, the, fatalities done and fatal force incidents and things like that to where, you know, and I always use like 2019 because it's the most relevant because the statistics and everything else when they come out, but out of 140,338, you know, thousand, uh, 140,338, you know, run-ins and incidents, only 989 fatal incidents. That's fucking minuscule. You know, I, I don't want to play on, you know, somebody's death. Yeah, it was a tragedy, but, you know, for the incidents of how they happen and nobody really is in that moment. Can you really put yourself in that moment? Are you really prepared for that moment to where you have somebody with a fucking a knife to somebody's throat or a gun to, you know, potentially 10 victims and you put them down like a dog? Are you a bad guy? No, but what's going to happen? The media is going to print it out to where, you know, it's the, oh my God, I can't believe he just killed this guy. It's like, well, what happened? Was he complying? It's just, there, there's so many factors that go in there to where when you deal with critical incidents, you know, those split second decisions to where that split second on the wrong side, you just cost people their lives to where that split second decision to say, hey, you know what, I'll put them down like a dog and I'll face the consequences. I'll make that sacrifice. And, and that is a sacrifice. A sacrifice isn't always me giving my life, but, you know, sometimes I'm risking my career. I'm risking, you know, putting myself out because I'm making that ultimate decision to say, hey, you know what, I'd rather put this fucking person down than watch them put five, 10, 15 people down, you know, yeah. so. Well, you know, I'm in the same boat because it's, it's one of those things where if I don't understand it, I'm not going to bitch about it, you know. I mean, if I don't understand why, you know, like in, in our particular case with, with our scene, you know, fire shows up and they're just kind of, yeah, okay, real casual. And I didn't understand why, so I asked him. I'm like, why you guys show up to an officer shot in the head and you seem like you don't give a shit, you know? <laughs> and it wasn't because of that. They gave me whatever their reason was. Um, but, you know, they they have, I think the answer the guy gave me was, look, we've got to kind of calm ourselves down because if we show up all assed up, we're not going to be able to do the job we need to do. And looking at it from the inside, out these guys are just kind of like uh real real kind of moving slow and casual where for them they're they're keeping their heart rate down they're they're not getting excited they don't want to get everybody else excited because you know it's like as you know like helicopter pilots on the on the force those guys are trained to be calm all the time because what happens you cops get on the radio they're screaming and ah look at them and then the helicopter guys get on there okay he's uh he's blowing through the intersection uh, you know and that calms everybody else down and that's kind of why they do that. Instead of getting pissed off about all the shit that we're doing wrong, 
take a take a step aside and have an understanding of why we're doing what we're doing and you know every doesn't make any difference every single thing boils down to one simple thing if you just do what you're told first of all if you don't break the law pretty simple there. and if you do what you're told you know there's a high probability that you're probably just going to go home or you can fight off in court and say you know this cop is full of shit let's look at the body camera okay and that was it like 0.019% of the time when we're doing something really, truly wrong. Now you got him. You got him right where you want him, right on camera, which fucking doesn't happen. I mean, in all reality, you know, you see all these things on YouTube where the cops are doing bad stuff. That's, you know, all that shit's fabricated. They're making up stuff. They're only editing to what, what looks bad. They don't talk about all the stuff that led up to or what the guy did or what he said. To get himself into that position, it's only the cops retaliating. It's like, oh, or, or they don't, or, or they don't show you pulling over, throwing ball with a kid in the thing, or you going in checking yeah. on the local businesses and stuff like that. It's always yeah. just a, oh, look what I caught today and stuff like that too. And and, just, and as you know, we're not in it for that. We could care less. We don't want the accolades. We don't want the attention. Are we? I mean, it's obviously not for the money, as you mentioned. It's and I've I've asked this question of myself, and I don't have an answer for you. Why? Are we stupid enough to run to the sound of a gunfire when we're not appreciated, we're not loved? And it's like, well, it's a calling. I mean, that's that's the only answer I can come up with because we can't be that bright if we're doing that. (laughs) (laughs) But that's we don't care, you know, and cops, you know, historically are, are very intelligent people because they're they're basically just common sense oriented folks. And then they can take it to the next level, whatever that is. I mean, so many guys that I know have, you know, multiple college degrees. And these kinds of things. And, you know, because we are out for a higher calling, whatever that is, you know, for me personally, it was, you know, it was chasing bad guys for the longest time. And then it turned into being an advocate, you know, and who does that for the lack of appreciation? And I say it that way, which isn't true at all, because there are, or there are a hell of a lot more people out there that have our backs than that don't, you know, so. Yeah. And I remember that on time occasion as well. So, I mean, it is true though, but it's, but it is important though, because again, that ride along aspect of it, you know, it's the, you know, seeing the glorification or even seeing the depreciation of that sometimes is going to be the determining factor. You know, it's kind of like, again, going into when Natalie was, you know, sitting there saying about the, I, I told you it was, to where it's the the same I'm, I'm serious because it's the the same thing with like a career it's like you know a lot of times we see ourselves in a certain position a certain lot in life but you know if we don't have that backing by you know family friends anyone close to us you know are we going to take that calling that ultimately was our calling in life you know and so sometimes that glorification that magnification of certain things it does need to happen you know but you know, it's the that's what pisses me off is like how controlled the media becomes, because then that bitterness gets put out there. Now it makes law enforcement's job even harder. And it's the I mean, people don't think about the risk that every law enforcement officer faces on a day to day basis. But yet then they want to put these other imposing factors on there that makes it even harder for them to go out there and make those split second decisions. And it's just well, it's funny you say it that way because I've had a lot of my friends that are, you know, they know who I am and they know that they don't want to get into a confrontation over law enforcement because they hate cops or whatever else. And so sometimes, you know, 
they'll they'll make a post on Facebook and I'll call them out or whatever it is, you know. And I'll I'll flat out ask them, dude. And I'll seriously be honest here: how many actual negative run-ins have you personally had or that you know about with law enforcement? You know, oh yeah, man, there's this time, you know, I heard, no, you heard it from somebody else, which by the time you hear it a year later, it's been <laughs> 15 different ways. How, again, how many times have you actually had a bad run in with any law enforcement officers in your entire life or anybody that you've ever known that's actually real and true, you know, and they, and if it was a bad run-in, what did you fucking do to make it a bad run-in? Well, that too. Of course, I don't even. I don't even go down that path. It's not, it's more on the side of, you know, are you are you following the rhetoric of of the media, or are do you really believe, and do you truly really believe that cops are bad, or that they're that they're evil, or are you just jumping on the bandwagon that everybody else going, all oh, these cops are a bunch of freaking assholes, and they do all this dumb dumb shit, and they're on a quota, and I, dude. And, and all my time in the entire country of people that I have freaking trained, not once ever have I heard of a quota in the entire United States. And that's, dude, that was some shit from like the 70s, for God's sakes. I mean, <laughs> let it go, guys. It doesn't happen, you know. In fact, I was talking to somebody, I don't remember where we were, last week. And she was like, oh, you know, at the end of the month, they start, you know, writing you more tickets and shit. Uh, no, we don't. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. Cops are not out there to serve vengeance and kill black people and kill everybody that's that's going against them that shit doesn't happen okay flat up doesn't happen we know the reality of it but you know i mean just like you said the media they want to skew it and make it look like it's all our fault which and in all reality okay fine great paint the bad picture we don't really give a shit we're still going to go out there and do what we have to do whether we're getting spit on or we're getting hugs or whatever else we're not there for the accolades. We're not there to freaking make friends, whatever. You know, we got a job to do. We're going to go out there and do it. You know, and it's the same thing with like employers. You know, you, you fire a, a dysfunctional employee, all of a sudden they, they start spreading this bad ver- vibe that, oh, this asshole just, you know, can me for no reason. It's like, well, what'd you do? I mean, you know, I, oh, I was going to work on time. I was actually showing up early. I was doing everything above and beyond what I was supposed to be doing. And they just can me. It's like, and that's where the accountability comes in as well you know and i mean when i tell you cops you know whether we like to be or not i mean we've got to be held to the highest accountability there is possible because i mean we're out there we're we're like freaking celebrities almost sometimes in uniform everybody's watching us you know and i can't tell you how many times you know we one of the only uniforms that gets somebody's heart going just by seeing it, you know? <laughs> oh, I know, I know. You know, we were... We oh, my God, to- there's Kim Kardashian. Oh, oh yeah, my God, right. there's law enforcement. <laughs> Start <Or> breaking. We, <laughs> and- <laughs> we, went to, we went to lunch one time. We were parked way off site because it was the only building with shade. This is Arizona. It's the middle of the freaking in the desert, of course, hotter than hell. And there was an abandoned building, and we parked our patrol cars under the awning on the other side of the building where there was the only place that was shade. Now, again, the building was abandoned. We walked, like, 75 yards to the restaurant, but the parking spaces that we took up were all disabled parking spaces, right? And there was like three of them. And there were like five more just on the other side of the parking lot. I mean, same exact situation. We went further away than we needed to. And some guy came in freaking screaming his head off that we are parking our patrol cars in those disabled parking spaces and somebody else could be parking there, but you fucking gasshole cops. Are you kidding me? This is this is you are trying to instill something in us that is not there, you know. And we didn't say a word. We're like, 
well, what would you like us to do? You want us to go move our cars out in the sun? Is that, is that going to make you happy? Yeah, you need to fucking do that right now. You know, I pay your salary. Yeah, well, give me a fucking raise. If you pay my salary, then give me a raise. Because whatever, whatever you're selling me is not worth me putting up with your bullshit. But we did. We had to move the cars out into the sun just to please this guy because he's pissed off at something that he thinks we're doing wrong. Which I'm like, all right, whatever. That's a bad story anyway. That's just that's just like going to a. You can go to a parking lot. You can park out and ease Jesus. No cars around. All of a sudden, you'll come back out to your car, and there's a fucking car parked right next to you. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> we're in the middle of nowhere. You just want to park right here. But it's, it, it yeah. is, though. I mean, you know, a lot of these just just the ignorant minds and just simple minds. I mean, it's, it's simple minded. I don't care if people get offended or not. I mean, you're fucking simple minded if, you know, you want to cause undue hardships just because, you know, you're bitter about certain things. Same thing with the elections. Same thing with people, you know, passing policy. It's just because of, you know, their distaste or their this I can't even talk. Their dislike about another individual, another agency, another, you know, anything. It's just because you have this little sour taste in your mouth. You want to cause undue hardships that ultimately is going to affect everybody as a whole, including your fucking family. You know, a lot of the just the ignorance that people, you know, put on, it's they don't realize the effect that they're doing on their own family, their own uh, place of employment and things like that. It is just well, here's somebody here's here's to take your ride along, man. It's right. I, you know, and I honestly I don't blame people sometimes because here's here's an example of my own personal ignorance. So the NFL. What? Yeah, I know. Right? Hard to believe. So the NFL, right? They start doing, you know, the BLM <laughs> get on their helmets, and I and I freaking lost my shit. I'm like, man, fuck NFL. I'm not watching those guys. No way. I'm not doing it and everything else. And what is that? That's exactly what the people that are that are against law enforcement are doing. I'm doing the exact same thing. The NFL because there's a handful of guys out there that are making a bad name for themselves. And what am I doing? I'm categorizing those guys as a bunch of freaking assholes. Where the vast majority of them are, are good dudes. And then I started realizing, like, man, I'm, I'm falling into that same trap. And it's so easy to do. I did the exact same thing. It's like, oh, my God. All right. So I got to take a step back from my own stupidity from sometimes and realize that, dude, these guys aren't there. Okay. So you got a handful of guys that are kneeling. Okay. What am I going to do with those guys? Nothing. I'm not going to show any respect to them whatsoever. But I'll go off to the other side and I will show those guys the respect. And we're in the exact same field with guys that are – you know, they're anti-law enforcement. They're, they're falling into the rhetoric and everything else. Like, well, if you guys can step back and realize that the vast majority are good. You have some bad apples? Of course you do. No questions asked. I mean, there's bad everywhere you go. I don't care, you know, what your role is. But the fact is, it's like, you know what? Eh, don't don't lump us in with all the, all the other people that you think are bad just because we're in a bad. That's, that's not how it works. But, but, but you know, again, that, that goes into, again, the whole ride-along about the book. As far as the, you know, the knowing what goes on, because, you know, somebody that has that rhetoric in their mind, or let's just say somebody had that career dream or goal to, you know, join law enforcement, but then they see that rhetoric on the media, they see the, the, the false. That's why, like, you know, my whole saying, like, with the truth aspect of it is that not all knowledge is knowledge. You know, knowledge is not always knowledge. And it's just it's that reality to where, you know, you have people that put that, that negative. You have individuals that throw, you know, partial truths out there to where that one individual that would have joined, you know, they, they, they wanted to go into the force. But because they heard that one, you know, naysayer, oh, you know, I probably shouldn't to where that would have really been the career. They really would have changed lives. They really would have saved lives. 
you know, to where, and, and that's why I love your book. That's why it's, it's, I love the, the terminology and uh, the analogy about it to where it's like a ride along because it really is to where, hey, you know, sit in this car for a little bit and ride along for a minute because then you will realize that, you know, what led up to my decision to join, you know, it may not have been, you know, full, uh, you know, complete sight on the possibilities or, you know, what really is there. But then also, you know, this is what after joining, I ran into and these are the real possibilities that can be and that you know i did experience and things like that as well too and it, you know again i mean i've harped on it a hundred times already but it was it was great it was a blast i had a really good time when i was out there you know getting into stuff and you know there was there was plenty of times also i never touched on this either but you mentioned it a couple times earlier it's like i would see a group of kids and i would go over to them and just you know kind of act sort of jokingly tough be like walk up going all right who's your who's your fastest runner and they're all looking around and they pick one <laughs> oh me and you not got racing through the parking lot you know whatever else and maybe just maybe that gave full one gear a little bit of pause i'd always lose on purpose which wasn't really hard to do anyways but especially when you're running against a 14 year old kid it's you know the same size as you with no gear on <laughs> whatever uh, but you know yeah, that could be one of those things where they, you know, they, they might have some pause and might say, you know, not all cops are bad. Maybe this guy's actually pretty cool. Maybe he's just whatever, you know, and maybe that's going to say to them, I'm going to show some respect because this guy showed me some respect. I'm going to return the favor and then not go out and rob somebody or whatever. I mean, who knows? Well, and that's, a, that's important, though, too. I mean, because it goes into humanizing the badge aspect of it. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, th there's, there's so much effort. And it's fucking disgusting. There's so much effort in dehumanizing the badge to where, you know, when we can actually humanize and just show that, hey, look, you know, it's we're real people that are going out here. And, you know, you, you need to be more respectful of the aspect of it is that, you know, I'm making the decision to sacrifice myself so that you, your family and everybody else, you know, the luxuries, the freedoms that you have right now are going to remain luxuries and freedoms and everything else as well too so that's uh, great so yeah. uh, I, I know i had some like another whole chapter you know printed out but we're going to save this for the next one i was going to say yeah, we're, we're, we're running off a little bit here which is what we do so <laughs> it's but i mean again it's the humanizing aspect of it it, yeah. it really is because i mean it's the you know we're covering the book but we're also touching on the real person that you are and things like that which is going to you know, be a great benefit as well, too, when it comes into the training aspect of it as well, too, you know, so oh, I because that. I mean, the, the person you are today, you know, again, you sharing about the, how that tragedy to where you wouldn't even have like when, you know, you and uh, Nat were up there and able to actually have the luxuries that you have because of that tragedy, right. you know, it's the, you know, understanding that aspect of it, putting it into perspective. And again, the ride along that everybody's, you know, able to take now and you know, I encourage everybody. That's why I'll, I'll keep putting out there the, the different links for individuals who obtain the book. You know, if individuals can, you know, afford the book, which it's, you know, $14.99, $19.99. You know, you get the Audible book and things like that. I mean, reach out to me. I'll help fund it. I'll, I'll send you a copy of things like that. If, some, you know, somebody really wants to have that. If an agency wants to, you know, have multiple books so that there are officers and things like that, I'll allot that opportunity as well, too. And Yeah, we can you know, do deals or whatever. If people want a signed copy, I can figure out a way to make that happen as well, which I've done multiple times so yeah that's one of the things that we'll do as well too as far as the you know because i want to schedule these trainings and we, we might get them 
get into that in the next episode to kind of go into, you know, what your training actually entails. That way, when, you know, agencies, officers themselves are making the decision to, you know, uh, book, you know, that slot for your training and everything else too, that they can know what to expect. And, you know, time frames is how far that training or how long that training lasts and everything else too. So, and we'll do the book signings and everything else too, to where, you know, I just, we just order the books and have them there that way. Hey, this is what you're going to be saying here. Study your manual and things like that to where, you know, even essentially to where we can provide them the manuals prior to the book prior to. So that way they can kind of get the in-depth look about and be able to sit there and nod with you about, Oh, Hey, I remember reading that in the book. You know, opposed to, where's that again? (laughs) You know, so it's the, it's final, man. And again, it's. it's Yeah, I was going to say also, if you get enough feedback and you want me to do this, because I we can be talking about like once a week, but if you want to go further and a couple, three, four times a week or whatever it is, man, I'm pretty well open for the most part. I don't think I got. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just share share your schedule with me. And just, you know, it's the, you know, I, I know a lot of individuals, not everybody's really been exposed to, you know what it is that we're doing as far as the the show's going and you know but as it grows and that's why on the site you know individuals that can go and watch you know the previous episodes and everything else as well too as you and i keep referring back to hey the last broadcast that we had you know individuals will be able to share in that i have us now on spotify and everything else too so individuals can be at work on the way to work and just listen to the podcast just in the audio form and everything else as well too and i'll keep expanding out and broadcasting out more and, you know running it more as advertisements and things like that and you know providing individuals with the the episodes and the shows too so you know it's one thing getting the book but actually being able to stop and have this conversation to where, you know, I do want to have this expanded out to where more individuals are able to comment, ask questions and things like that too. So it goes into what you, Chris and I were speaking about where, you know, how many officers when we're going in there, how many of us bite our tongue or kind of store everything in because of, you know, that thought about what our superiors are going to think of us or what our, you know, our fellow officers are going to think of us as well, too, because we have to admit certain vulnerabilities and things like that as well, too. So, you know, That's I think this is going well. I just trained a bunch of SWAT guys and I was told that they were actually sending text messages to their boss to have him ask me questions, you know, because they didn't want to be that guy, which is perfectly fine. I completely understand that thought process. They don't want to look bad in front of their peers and, so forth and so on so with that i also invite anybody you guys all have my email now please reach out to me directly or you um you directly you can reach out to me you know kind of sideways or however it is um if you're unsure and you you need questions answered uh i am absolutely completely transparent i will tell you anything you ever need to know that i went through or that i think you may end up experiencing yourself with your decision to either venture into the career you're halfway through and you're not sure if you should continue on or um if your boss is pissing you off or whatever else because i've had you know the best bosses down to the worst bosses you know all the way across the board um i welcome i welcome all the feedback like i said in the very very beginning i want it all i want to have everybody survive their career and survive their life you know so That's it. That's my soapbox again. You know, it's the, uh, I was just getting this prepared right here so that everybody knows, you know, the name of the, the title of the book and everything else, your email. 
you know, and I implore everybody to reach out and, you know, we're, we're going to have to get together, you know, as this progresses on too, is, you know, cause I'm going to bring, be bringing on more, you know, law enforcement officers that, you know, have stepped out and they have their own different training that they go into different agencies, officers and everything else to provide services to. And, you know, duality is always going to push things further. You know, it's the, you know, kind of like we were talking about with Ray when he was saying about how, you know, a lot of individuals in martial arts think that their martial arts or their uh, discipline is the best discipline. Right. Well, you know, is, is it really, hey, you know, if we combine these two together, they're both successful, you know, let's go ahead and, you know, put two things together and, and drive forward with that to where, you know, it makes more sense like that, that way, because in order to be prepared, that's why like in fucking school, that's why you have your science, your math, your social studies, and, you know, everything else going up there, because it's you know, the multiple disciplines that are going to prepare you for real life, and everything else too. So, and you know, it's, it's always a blessing having you on here. And I look forward to, you know, the next episode, you know, you and I will kind of get that set up and scheduled ahead of time too. So, you know, I, I know a lot of times with like the last minute scheduling of these to where I know that kind of affects, you know, people being able to be on here. Then Facebook having the major crash today. I mean, how often does yeah, that happen? Hurt. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it was horrible. But, uh, you know, so, you know, being able to pre-plan and, you know, kind of setting things up to where being able to have the events and the schedule and, you know, being on point that way, people can actually tune in at, you know, specific times, specific days and things like that too, to where, you know, we would expand the crowd out and everything else as well too. And, you know, we'll have to bring Natalie on too, so she can actually kind of take our jargon and sl slow it down a little bit and kind of put it. She's coming whether she likes it or not. She doesn't know that. Maybe she does. I'm not sure, but she'll, she'll be here for sure. So perfect. Uh, Cause she's, she is, she's truly such an integral part of, you know, the book, the success of it, you know, and my life in general is just, it's unbelievable. So, Awesome. Well, you know, again, man, it's a, it's always a blessing having you on here, and I look forward to our our next meeting. And you know, you, Natalie, you know, the rest of the family, everybody, stay safe, stay blessed in all things, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank yes, you sir. so much. All right, bro. Thanks, man. Always.